Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Exciting Friday show for you as we've got Ryan LaVoy and Cam Barry on the program with me and a very special guest, our buddy Javon Cutler, a former host on this very show. Back in town, surprise visit from Javon on today's program. So glad to have him here with us. We'll have a nightly TV guide. We'll have a birthdays and sports segment. Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network stops by to preview the Braves as they get set for another game against the Rockies tonight from Colorado. So a very fun show. And we're getting you set for Auburn baseball to take on uh, southeastern Louisiana in the NCAA regional a little bit later today. So fun Friday show ahead. Ryan LaVoy, how are you? How's your day? I'm doing well. Uh, got here early, got some work done, and then was pleasantly surprised to see Mr. Javon Cutler here and uh, hung out with him today so far, and uh, really good to have Javon here today. And, uh, yeah, doing all right. Looking forward to Auburn baseball uh, at Plainsman Park here in a few hours. And uh, their hopeful hopeful road to Omaha begins. And uh, just, you know, got, got – a lot of concentrated stuff here for the next week or two with the NBA Finals and NHL playoffs winding down as well. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about both of those. Uh, disappointed with Golden State's game last night. They played really well through three quarters, and then Boston made everything in the fourth. And uh, it's a very unfortunate start at the Finals for the Warriors. And then uh, tonight, or, or last night, you also saw the Avalanche take a big 2 nothing lead on Edmonton, yes, whip them 4-0. to uh, Tampa got whipped in game one. They'll play the Rangers game two tonight. So, again, those playoffs are right in it. And seeing all the regional action start tonight, and I guess important to mention that Florida State beat uh, UCLA today. So that's who uh, the winner of Auburn, Southeastern Louisiana, will play. And uh, so, yeah, it wouldn't be a postseason without a run in with Florida State. Hopefully Auburn can uh, make yeah, it to that point. So doing well. Cam, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Uh, like I said, uh, or like uh, Ryan said, kind of, well, I guess I helped facilitate the surprise, but I, I knew Javon was coming. But <laughs> it was uh, glad glad to help and uh, you actually saw him here. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it's glad to glad to see him and glad to have him here and uh, help surprise you guys and see all you guys' shocked faces. I think that was definitely wasn't worth expecting it. this on a Friday. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I got got a haircut, so looking fresh and <laughs> you clean. You do look fresh. And, uh, yes. Yeah, I watched uh, watched some NBA basketball last night. I was also pretty disappointed with the Warriors' performance, um, to, especially just down the stretch. Um, I don't think that the Celtics, you know, making that many shots in the fourth quarter is sustainable um, or consistent. But uh, you definitely can't allow Al Horford to just kind of run free and do whatever he wants to do. So. Um, yeah, doing pretty good. All right, it's Javon Cutler. He's back. He's here in our dun, studio. Dun, dun. Javon, how are you, man? 
Doing good, guys. Doing good. And yeah, I haven't talked in a mic. It feels like in forever at this point. <laughs> but yeah, doing really good. And yeah, like Cam mentioned, um, I mean, I kind of planned this out. I'd probably say about two weeks ago in advance. It's like, right. all right, I'm going to probably come back to Atlanta, but also I want to make a stop in Auburn for a day and I want to surprise the guys. So him and I talked it out and had this great plan and hey, it came uh, to fruition. So how yeah. about that? And yeah, everybody was surprised. And it's great to see not only you guys, but also, you know, Brant Daughtry and of course, Brooke Myers and all our Tiger everybody in Tiger Communications. So yeah, it was great to see everybody. Like I said, it's felt like forever since I've been in the studios, yeah. but nah, it's definitely great to see everybody for sure. And just to remind people, of course, Siobhan Cutler with us for a really long time, uh, over a year and a half, uh, interned and then turned full time and uh, got a really exciting opportunity to go work with ESPN Radio up in Bristol, Connecticut, uh, which has been amazing to kind of watch the career path that you're on with your production assistant role up there in Bristol. Uh, this came about in late March, early April. So it has been a few months yeah. since you've been away. <laughs> does it feel like Does it feel like you've been away for a long time, or did, has the time flown by? Like these past two months, when you reflect, what's it been like? It's been fast, to be yeah. honest with you. Like I have to think about it sometimes. It's like, man, I've been in Connecticut like for two months already, and it feels like yesterday I was literally leaving you guys, sure. and then literally leaving my house in Atlanta and flying up to Connecticut for good pretty much. So it's like, man, time's flown by, but Hey, we're in June already. Like I said, Hey, it's definitely something that has flown by, but it's like, nah, I've definitely got to come down here to like see the guys, especially that, especially since everybody's done great things for me. Yeah. But nah, like time's definitely flown by. I could definitely attest to that. People are going to ask. So let's go ahead and get to it. How much have you enjoyed your opportunity with ESPN radio? What's that experience been like for you? It's been surreal, I'd say, honestly. It's like, because it's, of course, ESPN's a campus. So yeah. it's like you drive through the campus, show the security guard, like your badge or whatever, go to the campus, go to like our radio section, which is one of the newer buildings on campus. So you walk in, it's like a bunch of technology kind of stuff all over the place. Um, you also get to see some personalities, like some of the guys from ESPN radio that are on the radio shows. Every once in a while, they'll pop in and do their shows live from Bristol. Otherwise, they'll do it from the Seaport District, which is in New York. But um, the experience itself has been, has been really cool. Um, what I've been doing a lot recently is what they call screening, which is where you have a bunch of TVs and you have a bunch of games going on. And it's like, OK, let's um, record this game, this game and this game. And let's get some highlights from each of these games via the radio call, of course. And that's how you kind of compile it together. And you put it on this huge like Word document and you send it out at the end of the night. So I've been doing a lot of that as well as um, APing, which is associate producing and that is where you cut audio from like the radio shows themselves and you deem what's important. Like, okay, this is a great cut from so-and-so because talked about this. Or if it's hot take, let me cut this out and put this on the audio note as well. So it's just been a lot of editing and screening on my part, I'd say the first couple of months on the job. And like I told you guys earlier, the hours are really hectic. Yeah. The, the hours vary sometimes like an 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. shift. Sometimes I get a 3 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. shift. Or occasionally I get like a 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift and usually you don't always get out at 6 or at 2 a.m. It's like, all right, maybe 3 a.m. at the absolute worst, 4 a.m. So the hours definitely varied a lot, but it's definitely been a fun experience to learn about what they do at ESPN and really be a part of their uh, company. But like I said, still nothing like home. I mean, I was joking with everybody. It's like leaving Bristol, it was like 65 degrees and cloudy when I left on Wednesday afternoon when i came back into atlanta it was 95 and sunny so it was a huge difference i got that sunshine on my face yeah. like just a whole different vibe it feels like down here and i definitely did miss 
um, everything about the South for sure. And then you have been away for a, a few months, but still taking part in our Sports Call Monthly oh, predictions yeah. that everybody can always see on our website, thetiger.fm. And still whipping butt. Exactly. Yep. You and Ryan <laughs> yeah. LaVoy had uh, the championship in, in 2021. I just went right, back and right. confirmed you guys had 32 points in 2021 to tie for the title and uh right now you're tied for first once again with austin scott at 17 so uh you're just making good predictions still javon that hasn't changed you know just doing it remotely that's all just remotely that's the only difference uh we it it is the only difference you're (laughs) right but other than that the domination has still been there and then also famously right before you left we had a uh, very intense uh, final matchup of sports right, call yeah. trivia yeah. Uh, that I was not present for with my Auburn softball responsibilities, uh, but there was a little bit of controversy there at the very end. And um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? This controversy. I do. That yeah. Took place? yeah. Yeah. It was... I think you deserve the win. <laughs> I don't think there needs to be an asterisk. Uh, but Ryan Lavoy wants there's there two to sides be one. of every story. <laughs> that's, that's what they all say. <laughs> that's what they all. It was say. great for Javon to go out on top, though. No doubt about but, that. And there's also no denying the fact that you have been the top, right? right yeah, and yeah. and still winning percentage record-wise, everything, you're still the standard. It, it's kind of like you're you, still the top. It's kind of like you go into a video game or something, and it's like, well, I'm going to – I want to do all these things, and I want to put up all these absurd stats. It's okay if they're not all absurd stats. Yeah. No one's perfect. So. But – He's always been your toughest competition, oh, yeah. and he's always going to go down on the sports call record. Have you books. and I ever played? Because that would be my least tough competition. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, I, Javon's always been so competitive yeah. though in the matchups with you. He's got a really good record. In I imagine he probably has the too. second second yeah. best record. He does, hundred yeah, percent. He does. Epic. I didn't prepare fun, sports yeah. call trivia today, uh-huh. so we're not going to have that on the docket, but that would have been fun to run it back for old time's sake. As long as there's no controversy. Yeah, but yeah that's, that's the one no thing. Yeah. Yeah. No good. controversy. No no kidding. No kidding. All right, 334-887-3401 or toll-free tiger 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of the program. Having been away for a little bit, Javon, obviously uh, at ESPN Radio, the national role that you're taking on, you know, you've got a lot of professional sports, a little bit opposite of what the Auburn – college-centric market has been, right? So you've been really dialed into those NBA finals and NBA playoffs, and uh, hockey's really big for the further north you go and that sort of thing. Auburn, all of a sudden, though, has really turned it on, and they're hosting a regional in the postseason. Butch Thompson and that staff for the first time in 2010. Have you been keeping up with, with some of the Auburn athletic news and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, still try to keep up, still follow several several of the beat writers on Twitter and social media, of course, follow you guys on yeah. sports call. So it's like, I still try to keep up as best as possible. Um, I know it's Sunny to share has been absolutely tearing the no cover kidding. off the balls. <laughs> That's definitely like the national story for um, Auburn that they do talk about, but I know Auburn's done a really great job. They're a team that's been really competitive this year and the sky's the limit for this team. That's kind of what I've picked up on throughout Twitter and social media and things like that. Like I said, obviously I haven't really seen a bunch of the games as of late, but the, um, highlights I've seen and everything else as far as statistics, it's like, okay, Auburn has the potential to go really deep in the SEC tournament. Obviously, the SEC, or excuse me, the NCAA tournament, obviously, the SEC is always deep. I know Tennessee's been an absolute juggernaut this Jeez, year. Yes. But I think Auburn has a great shot to make some noise if everything clicks on all cylinders. Ryan, now that we saw the UCLA and Florida State game play out a little bit earlier, uh, a game played inside Plainsman Park, and now we're just counting down to first pitch for Auburn in southeastern Louisiana. It's getting real. Like, like they're going to play a game tonight. You're going to be on it. They're going to play a game in Plainsman Park in the NCAA tournament, and the Auburn Tigers will be on the field. Uh, it will happen. Now, uh, I look outside. 
few clouds around. I looked yeah. at the radar, few little bit of rain in the state. So just got to make sure we dodge all of that. Uh, just want to throw that out there. Everyone's like Weather wanting to hit Ryan. me right now. Uh, what did you say, Cam? Weatherman Ryan. <laughs> so there is 40% chance of rain, but we're, we're going to be all right. We're not going to speak that into existence. Yeah. Um, but definitely very exciting uh, for Auburn. And when you looked at that game earlier today, um, obviously it was noteworthy at Florida State's in the regional because Auburn and Florida State play in a lot of different things, it feels like, in, in postseason play. And Florida State was able to beat UCLA. Now, by seeding-wise, you probably would prefer that because UCLA was the two seed, pretty close to hosting a regional themselves, and Florida State is the three. However, uh, just following Florida State a little bit in the ACC, I can tell you they were ranked uh, in the top 25 coming into the last sure. regular season weekend of the year, and then they got swept by North Carolina, and that, that just kind of took them for a tailspin. So, But this was a team that was thought of as a top 25 team for – uh, a good majority of the season so they are tough as well and that's kind of what happens when you are a regional host and you're a, a, a double digit seed you're going to have some really competitive teams in your regional so this is a tough regional Auburn needs to take care of business today against southeast Louis- southeastern Louisiana obviously uh, but but no doubt very exciting for Auburn it's something that's not happened in 12 years so anything in the sports world that's not happened in 12 years uh, that's noteworthy for Auburn be able to accomplish that. 334-887-3401. Your phone calls are welcome. We want to talk to you. We've got our buddy Javon Cutler back inside our studio for today's show. Before we get to our first commercial break of the hour, we do this every single day. Let's celebrate our birthdays. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports here today, June 3rd, 2022. Jalen Suggs is turning 21 years old, a current guard for the Orlando Magic, the fifth overall pick. In the 2021 NBA Draft, out of Gonzaga, played one season at Gonzaga, was Freshman of the Year for the WCC, and was their tournament's most outstanding player, had an absolutely iconic game-winning shot in the Final Four. Baylor ultimately defeated Gonzaga to win the title, but Jalen Suggs, at 21 years old, a current guard for the Orlando Magic, high school teammates, and childhood best friends with Chet Holmgren. I know he would love for Chet to be drafted number one overall by the Magic, but Jalen Suggs turns 21. Good player. Yeah, he's a stud. He's he's really, really good player. Um, I, I definitely think that, I know this isn't about him, but I definitely think that the Magic are going to go with Chet just to team them back up because they do have such good chemistry as being such close friends. So definitely something to look at and think about. You know how wild that is to be boys with somebody oh, since it. the sandbox stays, probably, and then you've got <laughs> the like, chance. <laughs> oh, wait, now we're playing in the NBA like, together? Yeah, it's like Odell and, and Jarvis Landry playing together, coming up through high school yeah. and right, college right. and all that. It's, it's just, like we were probably having, you know, you were probably coming over to the house when we were younger playing 2K right. all these years, and now we're on the game <laughs> together on the same team. That'd be sick. Yeah, do you think Chet was kind of, you know, happy for his friend, but also a little bummed that Jalen went from – you know, potential potential lottery pick to being as high as he did go because if he wasn't such a high first round pick, maybe he wouldn't have gone pro. Maybe right. they would play together. Again. That's right. true. They yeah. could have oh, exactly. Gosh. Great, great point. At 21 years old, Jalen Suck celebrating his birthday today. Al Horford is celebrating his birthday today. He's 36, a current center for the Boston Celtics, third overall pick in the 07 NBA draft by the Hawks. Out of Florida, five-time NBA All-Star. He's also played for the Sixers and OKC Thunder. At Florida, he was a two-time NCAA champion, a 2007 SEC Tournament MVP. So 
Horford woke up happy today. Great yeah, game man. last night in the NBA Finals at 36 years old. We can get to that in a moment. But, I mean, Javon, from the Hawks to his years playing for Florida, I mean, now Horford's been in your life for quite some time, man. Yeah, he's a guy that, yeah, basically been in my life, you know, from Florida to the Hawks. Played, I think, eight years for the Hawks. He was part of the Hawks team that went to the conference finals. Ultimately got swept by LeBron, but he was a part of that team. But Horford, when you think of a steady veteran, that's kind of Al Horford. It's like he's never going to do nothing flashy. He just does a lot of stuff really well. And something that he's really done well, I'd say, the past couple of seasons is expand his range because he wasn't always a three-point shooter. He was a guy that you could count for, like, okay, he's going to make a mid-range shot. That's yeah. kind of his shot. But nowadays he's knocking down three-pointers, as evident by last night. But Horford is like the kind of guy that you think of, okay, if I want a veteran on my team, this is who I want, a guy that's mature, a guy that's not going to cause a lot of drama, a guy that's going to be professional at all times. So Al Horford is what they call the consummate professional. Yeah, 36 years old, and in a lot of ways it's kind of wild. It was his 141st playoff game of his career yesterday. That was also his first NBA Finals game, setting a record. There are very few people, there are very, very few people that can walk around Earth and say that I won two national championships in college basketball. I mean, an elite winner, and Al Horford is one of those, to then almost have a little bit of postseason struggle as a professional to not get to the finals, and then there he was on the biggest stage showing out. It's just one game. It's still a seven-game series, but he's having a good day today, I'm sure, at 36 years old. Pretty surreal for Hawks fans to see him play like that last night. Yeah, very surreal. Very (laughs) surreal. I mean, you know, happy happy for him, I guess, as a Hawks fan. I'm I'm happy that he, um, you know, is finally getting an opportunity to play in the finals. um, And and hopefully, you know, well, I picked Warriors in seven, but you know, an opportunity to try and win a championship. Yeah. So good for good for him. Billy Cunningham is turning 79 years old, a former NBA forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, fifth overall pick in 1965, out of North Carolina, a 1967 NBA champion, four-time All-Star, a really good player. He's a member of the NBA's 50th and 75th anniversary team. At North Carolina, he was the ACC Player of the Year, a three-time first-team All-ACC. As a coach, he's a 1986 NBA champion, with the Boston Celtics. He's a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's Billy Cunningham, who's turning 79 years old. Also celebrating a birthday today, also competing in the NBA Finals. At 29 years old, Otto Porter Jr. is celebrating his birthday. He had a good game. His three-point shot was looking great last night for the Golden State Warriors. So two guys that went toe-to-toe on the basketball playing floor together. Share a birthday. Uh, share a birthday. For a moment, I thought maybe they share a jersey number, but Horford's 42, Porter is 32, so just one digit off. But we were almost there. Uh, those guys celebrating birthdays today. Happy birthday to Otto Porter. Uh, Rafael Nadal is turning 36 years old. He had a win today. It wow. came in an uh, interesting fashion, but Nadal has won so many so many major championships in the French Open now going to the finals uh, obviously a legend in the sports and Rafael Nadal turning 36 years old today I think it's 12 French Opens unbelievable and 21 he, he has the all-time record for majors I believe he's one up on or maybe he's tied I don't know he's got like 21 they were all right there and he's either tied for first or he has the most by one it's all neck and neck between him Djokovic and Federer I think he might be tied with Federer actually 36 years old today for Rafael Nadal. 
as he advances to the French Open final. And then finally, our last birthday to give a little shout-out today, turning 27 years old, a current quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Florida Gators standout, Vernon Hargraves third is turning 27 years old. He's celebrating his birthday today, and uh, you're making quite the face right now. Well, he stood on defense, certainly. Yeah, yeah but he could certainly yeah. say that about yeah. him, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then he ran onto the field uh, when he was not supposed to do that yeah. in the Super yep. Bowl. So, and, I, and look, I always be forthcoming. I was so excited with that draft pick about six, seven years ago. That's who I wanted. Bucks needed DBs. I was like, all was like, yes, all the Florida it. connection. Yeah, 11th overall and, pick uh, in the 2016 NFL draft. Did not go well. Did not. Did not, not go well. It's did not. It's still not going well. It's just not for, <laughs> it's for other teams now. It's the it's hard <laughs> it's to cover Julio Jones now. in NFC South. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, he, Extremely. he looked up at Julio. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, much times. he could couple, do about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> all the DBs for Tampa uh, just looked up at Julio. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Vernon Hargraves. Busy day for birthdays. Jalen Suggs, Al Horford, Vernon Hargraves, Billy Cunningham, Rafael Nadal, Otto Porter Jr., all celebrating their birthdays in sports. All right, let's go to break here. When we come back, we'll take some of your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. We're back in a moment. Tiger 95.9. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan Lavoy, Javon Cutler, and Cam Barry. Just celebrate birthdays in sports. We're going to take your phone calls here in just a moment. Uh, just got a text, though, from my mom here asking what happened in the Nadal match. Big tennis fan, obviously fair for her being an account she's got things to do during the middle of a day on a friday uh but heading to the finals so uh french open finals i don't know how to pronounce his name it's like zverev or something like that alexander zverev um he well they were having a very competitive match uh the first set went to a tie break nadal won that tie break 10 to 8 after trailing 6 to 2 so he was fought off four uh set points there and then they were about to go to a tie break in the second set. And they had played three hours and three minutes for two sets. So we were on a just unbelievably long pace. And the last point of the game that ultimately tied it at 6 6, uh, Zverev um, rolled his ankle really badly. Um, and you could see it turn all the way over. And he had to be wheelchaired off. For medical examination, that does not automatically make you forfeit. You get examined, and then a clock starts to determine if you're going to be able to play or not. And he came back out on crutches and uh, shook the referee's hand, shook uh, Rafael Nadal's hand, and exited, fighting off a lot of pain. So 
Nadal nice. was in a good position, especially if he won that second set tiebreak, been up two sets to none, but uh, ultimately was still kind of early in that match, not time-wise, but just set and point-wise. And Zverev suffered a, a pretty nasty ankle injury. So Nadal on to the final. Pretty severe. I mean, it was kind of surreal to watch it all play out uh, yeah. the way that we did on a clay and court. And, and um, yeah, unbelievable. And it is his birthday today, talking about Rafael Nadal. That's also kind of what sparked the conversation. He is 36 years old and does have the most Grand Slams of all time at 21. Federer and Djokovic have 2013 French Open titles for Nadal. He goes for 14. That's already the most all-time. Djokovic has the most Australian Opens of all time, and no one's close. And Federer has the most Wimbledon titles of all time, and no one's close in that department. So all these guys really dominate some of these Grand Slam events, uh, but to all in all, they've been able to put together uh, incredible careers. Nadal most all-time with 21 total titles. I, I don't know if anyone has an opinion on it, but I'll ask anyway, uh, because there is the debate on who the GOAT is, and I'm, that's not my question, but... There's three main surfaces in tennis. Hard court, which is like U.S. Open, Australian Open. Wimbledon uh, has the grass courts. And then the clay courts at the French Open. And so Nadal's called the king of clay. Federer being great at Wimbledon, he's the best on grass. And Djokovic is the best on, on your traditional style of tennis court, hard court. What would you guys prefer to be the best at? Or what do you think is the – which one is the most significant surface to be the best at if you had a preference i for, it's hard to choose between grass and clay for me only because that is just so yeah. unique yeah You'd probably say you know grass, and though. and just everybody growing up it, it, it's not like you walk around and you could see, if you see tennis courts mo, at least in my experience growing if i saw tennis courts it's traditional it was just going to be a normal court yeah, yeah. you yeah. know I, I don't see grass courts all over the place i don't certainly don't see clay, clay no. courts yeah um, and, and watching them play on clay is always so fascinating and so impressive um, that I think it's cool to dominate something like that. So I, I want to choose both because they're so <laughs> unique. I would go with a, a grass court. I think that's the most the, the coolest way to be able to be good. But clay is really, really interesting as well, for sure. Ooh, I'd probably go with grass. I mean, this is a weird type of thought process I'm having right now, but it's like, obviously, like when you're a little kid, you play a lot in the grass and it's right. like, you know, kind of how the grass feels at times. Obviously, I know like it's different or it's different with tennis in mind, but it's like I think of grass and think of like playing as a little kid. And it's like, OK, you're playing in the grass. It's not as har harmful, I would say. So I would say that grass just feels like a better surface to kind of play on it also doesn't feel like you'd have as much wear and tear yeah. for some reason with grass as well so i think that grass would be probably my preferred option if i had to choose one tell me what you're thinking my thoughts just kind of are like i i try and think about which one would be more difficult to master and it would certainly seem like it'd be clay or grass and probably even clay because just the, the few opportunities comparatively speaking to be on those type of courts but then i thought about it like this it's like well if, to be the best in hard court, well, everybody plays hard courts, right. and they all play mm -hmm. them often. So to master that, in a sense, says you're mastering other people's best, best thing, yeah. too. Like yeah. not as many people maybe work religiously on clay or grass. And so when I ask the question, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go clay or grass here. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear what the guys say. But 
there is a certain difficulty still in the hardcores and just that that's what everyone else is used to. It's like if Great I point. if I talked golf and said, well, all these British golfers and and United Kingdom golfers play these links courses with the bumpy fairways, mm-hmm. but all the American courses essentially are just known for maybe more watered hazards or, or, or that sort of thing. They have very flat fairways comparatively. You know, maybe it would be easier for European golf or uh, United Kingdom golfers to play the 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 hilly fairways right. because mm-hmm. the slopes are make shots difficult no and, doubt. or certainly different and so again in in tennis I'm just like well you know for it, it might be all things being equal tougher to play on grass or clay but it might be better harder to beat everyone else on the hard courts because everyone else is used to that so I don't know that's probably too deep of a dive into it but but I'm all for the dives. We don't talk it. about tennis often. No, so. we don't. So let's take advantage of this opportunity. A question was asked. Woo. There you go, Mother. Tennis. Um, and uh, happy birthday to Rafael Nadal. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 Again, excited to have our buddy Javon Cutler back with us here on this Friday. It certainly made it a fun Friday. Let's go to our phone lines right now on the Auburn Bank phone line. War damn Steve. Retired War damn Steve now joins us here on the show. Hi there, Steve. Well... War Damn Eagles, this is Javon Cutler. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I understand uh, ESPN uh, is treating you good. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's going great up there, and I had some vacation time from uh, Wednesday to Sunday, so I figured I'd stop by today and spend time with the guys and hop on the radio show as well, so it's definitely been, as you would say, yeah, a fun Friday. Okay, well, that's good to hear. I'm glad I'm glad you're able to, to come by and uh, get on the radio show. Uh, you have been missed. Yeah, I definitely miss you guys as well. Definitely the phone calls. Steve, you always bring a lot of hot takes for us. So definitely um, great to hear you on the radio again. Steve, tell Javon well, the honest truth. If we kept up a good product, has the show still been okay since he's been away? Well, to be candid, this is <laughs> There has been some, You're exactly right, Steve. <laughs> Especially uh, when J.J. is not around, the plate just goes to the heck of the hand dance. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, yeah, you're back in town. So let's get going, guys, because it's Friday, right? Yep. Last night was what? The finals for? Basketball. National Spelling Bee. National oh, Spelling Bee. I totally forgot. Yep. And we were going to prep the sports call Spelling Bee today. Oh. And I oh, totally man. forgot about that, Steve. I've been thrown well, off on my game. And you told us you about didn't... this yesterday. Slippage. That's right. Well, Slippage. It, it, uh, it had a first time ever happened. Oh, no. So what was that? Well... Here's what happened. There was a first-ever spell-off. Now, I didn't get to see it uh, until later on this morning, but it went head-to-head late last night, apparently. And what they had to do is, in 90 seconds, the two remaining contestants, because they were uh, con- continued to be tied, they had to uh, spell uh, as many words as they could in a rapid-fire oh. round. Now, think about that. So the winner was a 14-year-old from Texas who correctly spelled 21 words in 90 seconds. Wow. The runner How do you do that? Old. What? Cat? C-A-T. Dog? D-O-G. Jack? <laughs> Jill? I don't know. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, so, and say that again. So, a 14-year-old defeated a 12-year-old right. in the National Spelling Bee. Okay. Yeah, right. The 14-year-old spelled 21 words, and the uh, 12-year-old only spelled 15. Yeah, and and you add up 14 and 12, you get 26. That's how old Ryan and I are, and I don't think we would have fared well in that setting against those guys. So uh, if you guys ever 
try something like that on the radio show. Uh, see how well you do. It is it, so. It's so interesting. We've we've done the sports call spelling bee in the past, and I, I didn't get a chance to watch it last night. But all of us have seen clips over the years because ESPN does broadcast the event annually every season, and it does feel like last night they had to get to the spell off, which is crazy. But guys, when you're watching that event. It really does feel like sometimes it's just back and forth oh, yeah. with those finalists Crazy. going with haymakers. Yeah, these are intense. And then when you look at the 90 seconds that you had there at the end, some of the competitors that I've seen over the years take a little bit to spell these words because they've got their name card in front of them and they're you know writing out the word imaginary in front of them. And, and that's kind of surreal to sit there and think about. That is crazy to think about. It's like... Obviously, the spelling bee is really serious for a lot of people, but it's like, just imagine the training that goes into it. It's like, it's probably as intense as, you know, training for like a football game, basketball game, baseball game, whatever. But these kids are super serious about it. And yeah, it obviously holds a lot of bragging rights. Plus, you, I believe, get scholarship money and a trophy and things like that. But it's like, yeah, those spelling bees, I remember back in the day watching those like in the summertime, like when I was home from school. And it's like, man, these kids are ridiculous. Like you mentioned, JJ, sometimes they're like imaginary, imaginary, write it out on their hands. And yeah. It's like, how do you even know some of these words? And like, they <laughs> would just pull it out of their, you know what, sometimes and it's like, how do you even know that it's word? So like, impressive. I've never even heard that word before, but now nah, they're, they're super, super impressive people. Yeah. Could you please give me that word in a sentence, please? Yeah. Uh, I love when they do that one. Uh, I still don't know what the word means. Uh, <laughs> all right. So. Guys, I'd love to see you guys maybe try something like that on uh, one of your radio uh, broadcasts. Yeah. You know, 90 seconds. Dude, you know, so like I said, word. we're going to do that. We're, we've done a sports call spelling bee in the past, and we're going to put the 90 seconds on the clock at some point and make that happen. All right. Now, another monumental event occurred on this date on June the 3rd in 1956, guys. Okay. Okay. Now, it's not really sports-related, but yeah, I know you guys like music, right? Yes. Well, on this day, guys, in Santa Cruz, California – According to the History Channel, who sent me this email, rock and roll was banned. Interesting. Uh, and the reason that it was banned is, quote, it was considered to be detrimental to both the health and morals of our youth and community. There you have it. All right. Wow. That's definitely okay. interesting. Yeah, I know it was kind of rebellious back in the day, especially when, you know, you see the yeah. old clips of... Elvis kind of gyrating on stage and everybody's losing their minds. The teenagers are losing their minds. The adults are like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> ban this man. He's the devil. This, this, this. So not nah, that's, I know rock and roll is definitely rebellious for its time, but you look at it nowadays, it's like Oh, how mild. far we've come. Yeah, that's say it's mild these days. Well, this is what happened. Apparently, according to uh, the History Channel, a, a certain Lieutenant Overton uh, said that the crowd was engaged. Hold on here in suggestive, stimulating, and tantalizing motions induced by the provocative rhythms of an all-Negro band. So there you have it there. All right. All right. So uh, a little fun there. All right, guys, back tonight. We got Mr. Bright starting. Now, sometimes he gets some really, really rough starts. You agree? Yes. So uh, we've had, what, over a week and a half to, to, to get our act together? Uh, yes, we, uh, we we hope so. We certainly hope so, and we hope that Trace Bright's ready to take the mound tonight with confidence and put Auburn in a good spot to win. All right, and uh, if we hopefully we do win this game, then we got to play Free Shoes University tomorrow. 
Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Free Shoes University. That's right. I mean, that's, that's what right. The They're in Tallahassee. Coach called him. Yes. Uh, and what time will that game be, guys? I have not seen that official announcement. I know that they were trying to wait for the end of the day uh, for these games to be played because we're seeing a couple of rainouts across uh, regionals elsewhere. And so uh, I think once that game goes final, they could start to get a TV broadcast planned for tomorrow. We'll have a better idea for what time tomorrow's game will be played. Now, unfortunately, it'll still be uh, on ESPN uh, Plus, right? That would be my best guess, but I don't know that with 100% certainty. Today's Florida State and uh, UCLA game was on ESPN2, so there is a chance we have more uh, games on uh, regular cable television there with ESPN. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that one out. The number one seed team uh, doesn't get played on ESPN at all, but the number two and three teams, okay. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, enough of that. So that's all I've got, guys. Uh, how many of you guys are going to the games tonight? Uh, Ryan will be there, and and I know Brooks is heading over that way, and of course we'll have our Auburn Sports Network buddies um, that way. Former um, host on the show, Christian Page, is going to be at the game tonight, so we'll have a good crowd out there at Plainsman Park. All right, and you know the SEC decided, uh, I guess at the end of their meeting, I just read on two point seven Sports that when uh, Oklahoma and Texas joins us, uh, the basketball teams will still uh, the SEC still play eighteen uh, games. Yep. And um, I guess uh, I saw something about soccer. Uh, there may be some slight changes there, but they said nothing about uh, football. Uh, did you guys did overlook that? No, you're exactly uh, in the right there, Steve. It seems like they still haven't been able to settle on an answer, and so they did leave the spring meetings with no answer to that question. There are still uh, questions out there about what that schedule could look like in the future for college football in the Southeastern Conference. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Hey. Javon Cutler, man, it's so good to hear your voice again. And I just wish you uh, all the best continuing uh, to do well at ESPN. And I hope to see you sometime in the future, maybe live and in person on TV. There we go. Yeah, you never know, Steve. You never know. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words. And I can say, hey, I knew that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. My time is up, as always, guys. Talk to you Monday. Have a safe afternoon and evening and a weekend. And... War Dam Eagle. Looking forward to talking to you on Monday. That's our buddy retired War Dam Steve joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Let's take our next commercial break here on the show. On the other side of this break, more sports call. WTGZ Tiger 95.9. Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ, Ryan, Kim, and Javon inside our studios. Again, your phone calls are welcome. 334-887-3401. We want to take your phone calls. 
but you got to call us first to be able to do that. So uh, hit us up. Hit us up. Tell us what's on your mind. Say hello to Javon Cutler, who's back visiting us as we're continuing to wind down our number one of the show today here on this Friday. Uh, Javon, what'd you think of the finals game one last night, buddy? It was good. Um, A good game. I thought the Warriors for sure were going to take him out in the third quarter because it just feels like whenever the Warriors get on that third quarter run, it's like, all right, game over for the opposing team. But give credit to the Celtics. It felt, I'd say, a little strange at times because even in that first quarter when Steph Curry was going off for 21 points, it's like, okay, the Celtics are still in this game somehow. It's like, how are they still in this game down by four, I believe, at that time? But like I said, give credit to the Celtics. I mean, they're a team that's really deep. That was proved last night i mean jason tatum played absolutely terrible but you yeah. still had guys like jalen brown who was kind of the unsung hero i felt like he kind of kept he kept them in the game i don't say kind of he kept them in the game it's like okay jalen brown makes a shot after the warriors make a huge shot jalen brown makes another shot then you had Derek white cons- yeah. consistently making three-pointers yeah. that felt like crazily and then you had three-pointers you had um al horford at the end putting kind of the closing touches on it, it's like okay I didn't know Al Horford could do all of this as far as the three-point shot so it was just amazing the depth that the Celtics had which I already knew they had the depth but also for the Warriors it's like you've got to have guys step up more I know Steph ended up with 34 but he only had 13 after the first quarter I'd say that uh, Clay needs to step up obviously Jordan Poole was really disappointing uh, Draymond it felt like every missed shot he had was within like 10 feet from the basket so it was like come on Draymond at least make those shots we know you can't make three-pointers anymore but at least make those little floaters in the lane at least so for the Warriors I mean obviously they shouldn't panic it's only game one and also obviously the Celtics aren't going to shoot it felt like 90 percent from three-point range in the fourth quarter so I'd say for the Warriors they're still in a good spot but also what should be fearful for them is Jason Tatum didn't even go off like you know he's going to go off at some point for a couple of games in the series. So it's like, yeah, Jason Tatum didn't go off, but also you let the role players step up and have huge games. So for the Warriors fans out there, I wouldn't panic. Obviously, it's just game one, but you've definitely got to have more guys step up and also you've got to have more consistency from your other guys besides Steph Curry. We mentioned it with Al Horford's birthday a little bit earlier today. It is one game at the end of exactly. the day. Yeah. Uh, as the neutral basketball observers watching the game last night, just some of the shot-making ability, uh, it's why you love the finals at the end of the season because it's the best two teams uh, in the league each year, and it's just really damn good basketball to watch them out there on the floor. Yeah, I think here's – Here's what I worry about, um, and yes, I am panicked. Uh, for, for the record, um, Pulse is chat. that something that Boston does very well? Is I, I will say with one except I don't think Marcus Smart always takes smart threes, no. uh, although he's hit a higher percentage of them this year than he has in his whole career. Is that everyone on that team, other than Robert Williams, can make a three? Yeah, and, but none of them, for the most part take a bunch of bad threes and because it's something like you know well houston for a lot of years yeah. obviously took everyone took threes right and they take them whether they were making them or not and now philly kind of does that because yeah same gm same superstar guard and and all that and there are certain teams dallas another team everybody can make threes really but they not everyone can do something else and not everyone is willing to do something else well boston it's like Okay, obviously, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have the complete package and that sort of thing. But, okay, Al Horford can score 12 points, 14 points as a role player without having to hit 
four threes to do that. Um, these other guys, Grant Williams is capable of hitting five threes in a game. He did it earlier this postseason. He won't always shoot that many because he's usually pretty smart. Yeah. To, if he misses his first couple, he's not going to go shoot nine or ten in that game. And so what I respect about Boston is that they do care a lot about the three, and they understand it's a great weapon for them, but they don't overdo it. And and so they're very smart about how they go about it. And that's just that just concerns me as a matchup-wise because it's like, yeah, Derek White and Al Horford, especially Horford, are probably not doing that again in the series. Right. But then Grant Williams could. Or then Jason Tatum could score 40. Yep. Um, or then someone – uh, absurd like Pritchard can hit three or four threes in a particular game if they play yep. him enough to do that. Um, and, and so I, I just worry about it because this team does not care. They are not afraid. They are 8-2 and two on the road in the postseason. That's why we asked the question a couple of days ago, the more likely to happen, the road team win more games in the series or the home team. Because while these home teams have good home court advantages, both teams are adept at winning on the road. Yep. And so that's why, on one hand, if Golden State comes back and win game two, series on, because they can absolutely win one in Boston. It be 2-2 going to game five, just how God intended it yep. to. Yep. Uh, but obviously, if Golden State loses game two at home, I mean, then you're starting to think about a really short, quick Boston victory. Right. But, but so this is fascinating from the standpoint of Golden State really played better, a lot better for 36 minutes. All three quarters. Um, but then Boston – shot as hot as you can and so yeah. but it, it and at the same time though like i said maybe not those particular people can do that again this series but, but is there a quarter where up. jason Tatum could score 18 or 20 when yes. they need him to absolutely is there a quarter where jalen brown could take over absolutely is there a quarter where someone like marcus smart or grant williams hits three or four threes in absolutely and so that's what concerns me it's not necessarily saying well Al Horford's about to score 24 a game in this series it's not necessarily that it's just that somebody can fill that role and that's why they're such a good team because they have that they have that star power yep. like Golden State does but also like Golden State has for all these years they have their sixth seventh and eighth best players can also do something to help them win yeah and I also think like I don't even think the defense was necessarily that bad for for either of these teams especially I mean not even for, for Golden State I like you said Ryan just I mean, Boston in the fourth quarter just, I mean, got as, as hot as a team could get. I mean, all around the floor just could not miss. And um, I think, I mean, falling into the zone, I felt like ended up being like a, a pretty good idea. And I feel like almost in the first half, Boston doing that drop coverage that they did, almost leaving Steph open and allowing Steph to kind of get his early in the game was almost in a sense like baiting and allowing everybody else to kind of get cold because Steph was taking all these shots. I mean, Steph took 25 shots. Right, and and I think that was by far. I mean, the next uh, Andrew Wiggins with 15, so he took 10 more shots than the next closest person. So um, things like that. I think defensively, um, the the Celtics they did a good job of of just kind of boom readjusting, almost turning a switch, and and the Warriors just in the fourth they just ended up getting extremely cold. I mean, 16 points is extremely uncharacteristic. So, and I just don't think that's going to be something that you'll see happen again. Sets up a great series, that's for sure. One nothing Boston as it's a best of 7 game series game 2 set for Sunday. We hope that the voice of the NBA Mike Breen continues to recover well. He could be back yeah. out there alongside Jeff Van Gundy, but exciting opportunity for Mark Jones to get that play-by-play -play gig last night. All right, that concludes the first hour of our show. We've still got two to go alongside Ryan LaVoy Camberry and Javon Cutler. My name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Our second hour of Sports Call is getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Javon, Cam, and Ryan all inside our studios. Give us a call, 334-887-3401. Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will join us at 515 on today's show, but... Javon, another hour with you back at the studio. This has just been a great surprise on a Friday. Yeah, I love surprises. Like, as a person <laughs> as low-key oh, no. as I am, like, I love surprises. I love seeing people's reactions to certain stuff. So that's why a couple weeks ago, like I mentioned, I talked to Cam about this. And it's like, yo, I want to surprise the guys and, like, uh. come back by Auburn, especially Tiger Communications, because I want to, you know, see everybody even though I left at the end of March, but it's like, hey, I still want to see everybody on my vacation. Nice so, little check-in. Yeah, just a check-in. So had everything devised out perfectly. And, hey, what can I say? Like, everybody was surprised. I'm glad to see everybody once again. And I'm going to try not to be a stranger whenever I'm in town. It's like, all Heck right, yeah. I know good and it's well whenever I go to Atlanta. Got to make that two-hour drive or so back down to Auburn to spend time with the guys here at Tiger Communications, so definitely got to make that a part of my trip every single time yeah. I come down to the south. Well, we appreciate it. It's always good to see you. and uh, We'll always take you to the chicken place of your oh, choice. Yeah. Every <laughs> time you visit. That's, that's <laughs> the biggest thing. It's <laughs> like, make that happen. So I was telling um, them earlier that up north, I mean, they obviously have chicken places. They have like Popeye's, Chick-fil-A, et cetera, but it's like up north, you have more sandwich places and not just, you know, like Subway, Jersey Mike's. It's like more of a chain of like regional chain i should say type of regional delis yeah because there's a lot of people of italian descent up there so it's like okay you get the more type of authentic meatball salami those type of sandwiches up there and they are really good i'm not gonna lie they are really good but it's like down here especially in a town like auburn for those who live here or have been to auburn there's a bunch of chicken places here especially chicken finger chicken tender chicken wing type places we want it fried so it's facts. And I love me some chicken too. So it's like best believe whenever like I come by Auburn, we're gonna go to a chicken place and hey, for lunch we had Fusaklis today. Haven't been to Fusaklis since I left, obviously. Yeah. So no, it was really good, really good lunch. We made a good we made a good decision there. Uh it's always awesome when we can agree on something. Absolutely. Um <laughs> because you know, some of our sports takes, opinions, our favorite teams and that sort of thing, uh can be varying. Uh, something yeah. we all agree on, however, are the Atlanta Braves. That's true. And uh, we're going to get the chance to chat with Kevin McAlpin a little bit later in the show at 5.15. Uh, the Braves won last night against the Rockies yeah, by did. a score of 13-6. to Travis Darno, a two-homer oh, yeah. game 
Uh, six RBIs on the night. I mean, just a big day at the plate for Darno and for the Braves to score 13 runs at Coors Field. I'm all for it. That was one of the best offensive performances the Braves yeah, would probably have of the season, that. and I couldn't even enjoy it because the other TV was just sadness developing uh, in the fourth <laughs> I quarter. I was enjoying it. Uh, you were enjoying it, and I was trying not to – I was just quiet for like 20 minutes, though, because I like I can't have anything positive to say. And I just, <laughs> but it, it was big At for the Braves. At one point, when, when Darno did hit the grand slam, this guy's very locked into the NBA Finals but saw it out of the corner of his eye and immediately just said, Grand Slam. And you still knew what was <laughs> I, taking place. I, I saw right. it off the bat like Grand, Grand Slam. Slam and looked back over to <laughs> yeah. this Grand one. Slam. Uh, but, yeah, the Braves it's needed the that. the least excited someone's ever been for a Braves yeah, right. Grand Slam. Get three wins in a row and we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Get we try to do it tonight. And then we'll talk. Third. We got free tonight. Um, the, the thing is with Colorado. Line up was, out right now. I was thinking about this. Ozzy's not in the lineup today. I saw that. I don't know if it's injury-related. Maybe it's just day off. Rest. Um, the, the thing with Colorado is that I was thinking about how miserable – it must be to be a pitcher in that organization. Like if you get, to, oh, yeah. you know how there's certain organizations. Like if you're if you're a Jaguar, you're really that excited about it. You know, yeah. in the NBA, if you're a Piston, like is that really <laughs> what you want to have happen? Or, or or a few years ago, if you were the Sixers, you yeah, know, when yeah, they were yeah. just trash for like process. seven or eight yeah. years. Yeah, and so there's just certain organizations like I don't want to. I, I mean, yeah, I get to be in the yeah, league, but literally yeah. anything yeah. else. And, and if you're a pitcher, that has to be Colorado for you because yeah. your breaking stuff just does not break. No, it does mm. not do it. And then you know that that air is thinner, and that's why the ballpark floats. dimensionally is the largest park in the big leagues. It's awesome, but it doesn't matter because really all that happens is you still give up just many homers. But guess what? There's more <laughs> outfield to cover, so yep. now there's a lot of triples. Yeah, that all is of true. A sudden, that's too. a great point. Yeah. So I'm glad the Braves are taking early advantage of that because that's a great opportunity to hit in that type of For ballpark sure. but if you're a rocky like i guess it'd be a fun team to watch standpoint you're going to watch 10 to 6 all the time yeah and that's true yeah. but is. that's three straight games the rockies have allowed at least 12 runs or more they yeah. did win one of they those did. they did they win at least but that's yeah, a lot yeah. of runs to give yeah up. that that is a lot of runs to give up but i mean coors field uh coors field is i mean a beautiful beautiful well, field. speak to that ryan because we're all like in the similar age range and obviously um we've got baseball knowledge and you look at the Rockies franchise over the last 10-15 years thinking of pitchers you don't really think as frequently you think of Arenado his time there Trevor Story Charlie Blackman's been there for a good long while Todd Helton you think of the big bats that they've had the only pitcher really that you think of at that all-star level was Ubaldo Jimenez for the Colorado Rockies and that's I mean very brief well just like Again, like I don't. That is the only significant pitcher. I, I don't know how you're can't supposed have fun pitching in the Rockies. Unfortunately, what the what the Rockies have tried to do, and obviously to varying degrees of little to no success, is they've tried to get sinker baller guys. Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. the Aaron Cook was a sinker baller guy. Um, Herman Marquez had a sinker ball. They they've tried to get I think for Kyle Freeland has a sinker too and he he they just spent a lot of money on him I think um, unless I've got someone else in my brain the lefty Kyle Freeland uh-huh. um, because they're like this ball <laughs> if it gets in the air it's gonna have a rocket up its butt <laughs> yeah. it, like it just is and so we've got to try and keep the ball on the ground so Colorado has really invested in those sinker ballers but. 
really there's just nothing you can do when you throw 30 times a game. And also they're talking, if you were watching the Braves broadcast, because we had the audio on at certain moments, and I, I heard the point where they were talking about it's harder to recover because of the thin air. Yeah. Oh like, my like gosh. You, you're like, wait, you're more tired. Exactly. Like, because legitimately, we, you talk about that in, in in other forms, NBA and NFL. Like, if you're having a road trip to Denver or Utah or something, and you just talk about the air being different. No. And, and so that's another thing is like it can be harder on you when you have an injury and that sort of thing. So it's just it's a. I'll just be honest. I'm not saying I'm not saying move it because it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. But it's tough to have a franchise in baseball. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They've tried tough. this. They've it's tried tough. that. They've tried this. They've tried that. The one thing they haven't tried is just moving the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's then, the one thing they still change, haven't you tried. you got to change the name and everything, right? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not as significant yeah. to not be in Colorado yeah, if, right. if you're the Rockies. Exactly. They did make also, you know, this would fit the 15-year window, right? Because in the recent baseball memory – they made the 2007 World they Series. Did. That's right. right. Against yeah, the yeah. Boston Red Sox. Now they got swept. Right. But, but I mean, there. you make the World Series. You've had they a great were there. Year. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're successful. I mean, the thing is, though, is it's like they produced an all star hitter. And I, and I, I, let me be careful with that. I, I still mean, even despite the advantages of hitting, like Nolan Arenado is a great player, right. Todd Helton was a great player. Um, Matt Holiday was a great player. There's certain guys that get elevated. Certainly, the numbers like like Charlie Blackman's guy. Like I don't know if he'd be a great great hitter. And elsewhere. now Trevor Story and, is in his first year with the Boston Red Sox, so you're going to get to see him for a, a full season not away well. from there. He's starting to hit for some power, but hitting like 240. Um, so that's always a stigma there. But they've they've truly had some good hitters. But even despite all that. You've got to have a lineup full of them because you just can't pitch in that ballpark 81 times a year. And yeah. so they did have that World Series team, but I can only recall one or two other times in 15 years where they made the playoffs. Yeah. And you think about yeah. Troy Tulowinski mm-hmm. as well and coming Troy. up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they've truly always had a good hitter throughout time or two, good position player or two, but I can't. Again, he brought up the Ubaldo Menes. I just can't think of anyone. Mike Hampton pitched there in the early two thousands. Right, he pitched right. for the Braves, but just just trying to find a reliable pitcher for more than two or three years has just not not been possible for them. It's tough, and I'd imagine for the Rockies something that I don't know if they're specifically doing, but it's like I'd imagine if you're in the draft process and you see a kid pitching in you know, Colorado or something like that, Utah, high-altitude yeah, areas. Area. It's like you've got to imagine, like, they're scouting those guys heavily It's because it's like, okay, at least this person knows how to pitch in the altitude, right. so maybe we that could see what they could do as far as, you know, develop into a potential major league pitcher. So I think for the Rockies, I don't know if, like, if they're doing this once again, but it's like if I were them, you've got to scout people in that area, the Rocky Mountain area, because they know how to pitch the best. And like we've all said, yeah, they're not the best developing pitching. They've had great hitters, but it's like I'd imagine a diamond in the rough has got to appear for them every once in a while. But for them, they're just snake bitten with pitching, and obviously that's a product of their environment. I mean, I even think about last week, I want to say, when the Marlins guy hit a 493-foot home run deep into the rooftop on right field. It's like, man, there's nothing you could do about that because obviously if you have a average altitude area it's going to be a home run still but it's not going to go 493 feet it's probably going to go i don't know 430 feet so they're just a product of their environment i don't know if there's much they could do about it but for them hey you just got to find decent pitching you're not going to have top 10 top five pitching but as long as i say finish in the 
I don't know, top 20 of pitching, that should be good enough because the offense, like a win, yeah. the offense yeah. is always going to be a top 10 offense just because of the ballpark itself. But, hey, the Rockies, they're one of those franchises that they're going to be snake-bitten just because of where they play. Yeah, and that thing with, with you're talking about like when it comes to injuries and the players being winded and all that stuff, like that is legitimately true because like I've been up there and just – having played basketball right i'm not even injured i'm just from the south so i'm not from somewhere that's <laughs> i'm just southern right right I, i'm just you know so i'm from somewhere that is not a high altitude place and we had it was van and i actually and we had we were playing against some some kids that were from colorado and i mean they were just running circles around us i mean just and just catch your breath yeah yes. i mean it was just absolutely impossible. i mean we were just like after a half a game just absolutely winded so that is a legitimate thing that it's just it's I just spent hard. three straight summers in colorado it, it was there for two weeks every visit and still never got used to it's, it it's, yeah. and it's all the athletic events that impossible. i would be out there participating those kids in. up there build different they know what they're doing they know what they're doing that's for <laughs> sure different. so the braves play the rockies a little bit later tonight they have yet to win three games in a row this season but the braves have also yet to lose three games in a row this season can we win three in a row? And that will be well, answered they're gonna later. Have I mean, to At some point, it's got to be, yeah. It's got to be in this series, right? Because, I mean, I feel like you have a really good opportunity in Colorado against yep. a, a Rockies team that's not very good. And Max Freed is pitching tonight. And Max tonight. Freed is pitching. So, you know, you, you feel like, you know, even though the pitching, it might be tough because you are in Colorado, I think that the hitting – um, I mean, dropping 13 runs, the most runs we've had, I think, the entire season, right? And it, yeah, I, number, I would, yeah. yeah, and so I, I wouldn't see why we wouldn't at least get to a little bit of a win streak here, maybe extend to three, four, five games here. And, Javon, if we get to the ninth and the Braves are in a good spot, at least uh, serious, there's comfort that while Kenley Jansen has fallen off just a bit his couple last couple outings, he pitched for the Dodgers his entire career. That's true. Who play in – Colorado all the time nine different times in a regular season like he's played in that ballpark many a times yeah at least you do have some comfort knowing that and just kind of briefly speaking about the brave season thus far it's literally the same as last year and like okay you got a hot starting team the Braves might you know get to 500 maybe they won't at least they got to 500 earlier in the season instead of waiting you know to like the middle of the season this yeah. time but still like if you're the Braves you can't rely on what happened last season I think that's going to translate over to this season because while the Mets, we all know, and we joke about the Mets, okay, you know, they always start off hot, then cool off at the, at the end. It's like a little concerning, I'd say, because literally the Mets don't have the two best pitchers right now. I mean, Scherzer and DeGrom, the Mets are still finding ways to win games. Yeah, they started so off really hot this it's year. It's <laughs> like, well, I mean, obviously, we're probably still going to make the playoffs, but the Mets are still looking pretty good. But, hey, we'll see what happens. But baseball's a long season anyway, so you never know. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, we've got your phone calls and more here on Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Javon Cutler and Ron Lavoy. Cam Barry's here as we just had a great conversation about the Colorado Rockies of all teams. Like who would have thought? Who would have thought? Exactly. Javon. I had more to add if you want. I really could. <laughs> we could keep this thing going. They uh what do you think of their mascot? Uh, the purple dinosaur. I kind of like the purple dinosaur. No, I'm not going to lie. No one's ever explained to me why they have a purple dinosaur. That's a great I question. I think it's yeah. a good look. I'm not going to – I know you said a little creepy. I think it's a yeah, good look. Because I like it. I don't know if they still do this, but I remember at least growing up, like whenever the Rockies were winning in the top of the ninth, the dinosaur would like literally sit right behind um, home plate. So it's like the, you see this huge dinosaur like staring at you. I'm sure pitchers probably felt the same way. So it's like, why is this huge dinosaur? Because yeah. I don't see other mascots doing that. I mean, I don't see Blooper, you know, right behind home plate. You don't see the Philly Fanatic right behind home plate. So it's like, that. What that's what creeped me out a little bit as you, I could see <laughs> you've pulled the picture up on our computer here in the studio. Of Confirming the dinosaur. his name is Dinger. Dinger, okay, yeah. Which is a good name. That's actually a great yeah. name. But no, like, say he's just a little creepy What do you to think me. of Dinger the dinosaur? I mean, again. <sighs> cool yeah. looking guy. Again, it's not the mascot itself. My problem with it is just I just don't get how a Colorado Rockies team needs a dinosaur. But then again, like what team would would it make sense for a That's dinosaur? That's true. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to be get off my lawn. I it's just it's interesting. I did want to say, if I may, one more thought because I was really proud of this this point, and a lot of people may not know this. The Rockies AAA is in Colorado Springs. And they're there, obviously, because of the pitching, because they're trying to get their pitchers adapted to um, to that, that, that type of air. Because it really wouldn't behoove them to play their major league games in Denver, Colorado, but then have their AAA team be in, like, I don't know, El Paso, Texas. That, that wouldn't seem to make a lot of sense. So teams usually have their minor league affiliates pretty close, but in their case they're very close because of that air reason. But back to Dinger. Look, again, great name, and Colorado hits a lot of dingers each year, but they also allow a lot of dingers. Colorado, especially the Denver area, has been a hotbed for fossils from dinosaurs over the years and from mammals ah. early in the post-dinosaur world. In fact, some fossils were found during the construction of Coors Field. As a result, the Rockies oh. franchise and ownership considered the name Jurassic hmm. Park for their stadium, and it was shortly hmm. proposed. It did not pass the fossils found at the construction site uh, on the corner of 20th Street and Blake Street, well, the soon to be home of the Rockies. But there you go. I didn't know Make either. Make me look dumb. I, didn't, I, didn't I really know didn't that. know either. Yeah, but so, wow. I, so I wanted okay. to do some research yeah. to educate us. That's I, So yeah, that's I Dinger the that. Dinosaur. <laughs> that, that, well, then that got a lot, lot more uh, common sense. Yeah, that. that's okay then. Hmm. Is that okay? I, I support yeah. it now, yep. Yeah. All right, I like I it. hope Dinger's not very happy today, but we <laughs> <Yeah>. need <laughs> to get that three-game winning streak. That's right. We need that to happen. Um, so, also, we talked about uh, the NBA Finals. I want to go back there. The Celtics win game one, 120-108. Um, Steph Curry was phenomenal in the opening quarter, 21 points. Um, you know, it'd be a better feeling for Warriors fans if the I game was over after one quarter. Fourth, yeah. You know, yeah. he was on pace for 84 points once that quarter came to a close. Best um, I can do is 34. Finish 50 shy <laughs> of that, and 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 so yeah, he had a good game though. Yeah, it, he it did, just, yeah. I, you know, after one quarter, it's like the game one finals record is LeBron James with 51. And uh, when you score 21 in the first, you're sitting there thinking like, hmm. LeBron, you know, you yeah. might have this this final scoring record challenged uh, 
for game one. Yeah. And, uh, ended up 17 points short. Yeah, the, just uh, obviously Steph could have done more in the fourth. He had four points in the fourth. Um, he had four in the fourth. Their last kind of couple buckets for a while, honestly. Yeah. Um, the reality, though, was is he would have had to be that first quarter Steph again in the fourth for them to keep up because Boston scored like four straight possessions of threes. So, oh I mean, it's just, it, it just it was, it was a Warriors type of avalanche on the Warriors uh, after the Warriors had kind of a Warriors avalanche in the third. It was just Colorado had to be thrilled, the hockey team. They, they won a game, and then avalanches were happening all the way out in San Francisco. But, um, you know, Steph still played well. The issue was, you know, that Boston hit everything. And Golden State Golden State having 16 in the fourth is bad. But I also think some of that is the momentum of the game. And if Boston yeah. misses a couple shots and allows a couple run-out opportunities, For I sure. don't think Golden State has the atrocious offensive fourth quarter that they ultimately Are have. there any Boston shots that you keep thinking of? All of them. I can't stop right. thinking about Wh- which one of the nine and threes <laughs> right. in the fourth are you referring to? The Derek White left corner yes. kind of. Oh yeah, I mean, was, or left wing. I should because one of those right. ones right. that right. was Steph. contested. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. And coming down, contesting it, and he's most of the threes it. they hit were either open or very lightly contested. But there was two in the fourth. I think Jalen Brown hit one too. Yep. Brown hit one, and then that White three <laughs> were legitimately acceptable defense and that's just when you knew it was just didn't like matter. trouble <laughs> yeah <laughs> we uh we in trouble Sounds but uh you got to hand it to boston it was great shot making um you know i think when you're looking at things that golden state can get out like but boston can get more from tatum but other than that they got the best versions of Derek white and horford possible yep. marcus smart played well jalen brown played fine there's not a whole lot more to gain offensively for Golden State, there is more. You know, Curry may be able to do that every game. He can hit yeah. around that. Oh yeah. Um, I'm just saying, there's there's gonna inevitably be a game where he goes like six of nineteen. For like sure. It just it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It doesn't matter that it's the finals. It does that in every playoff series. It just happens. Um, but you can get a little more from Clay. I don't think you can get more out of Wiggins. Wiggins played great. Uh, Looney did his thing. I don't think you get more out of Porter just because he was so. I think he was three of four or four or five. Four or five from so, three. I mean, that's what you need. Yeah, that's, that's what, what you need. But I'm saying they like can't get more than that. Right? Really, no, no. Auto. You need uh, more from J- uh, from Jordan Poole. Happy birthday, Poole, Otto Porter. Well, I guess what? Yeah. <laughs> when it came down to it, it's just the big. You can, like I said, you can get more out of Clay, but the the biggest fault offensively for Golden State was Poole because he had four turnovers to go with his two of seven. Two of seven. Um. And so that was an issue. But I think Boston's going to have a good series against him. I watched the way he did it, and he might have a game or two. But Boston's so fundamentally sound and staying in front of you that all of Jordan's very quick dribble moves don't get past Boston's defenders, and they're not going to. So when Jordan has a good game in this series – it will be because he's playing more calm when he has the ball, more and then fluid. he gets opportunities off the ball. Yep. That's when he will have his best moments of the series. And so, really, if you're looking at offense, yeah, I think Golden State probably has more to gain than Boston because Boston will probably lose some in Horford and Derek White. They'll probably still play well. They're just playing really well right now, especially Derek White for an extended period of time. Yes. 
but Since he became a dad. I, I think <laughs> it really has something. It's to the Fred do. Van Fleet idea. Man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's got it's something like that because even re- remember when when Austin Riley became a dad. That's right. Yeah, he, he tore the cover off the ball. Yeah, yep. he raked a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's got something to do with it. Yeah. So <laughs> I I just think that it's just going to come down to what changes Golden State can make defensively to maybe force more turnovers or just contest those threes better yeah, and, and let Boston operate a little bit more inside the three-point line. Yeah, because a, a zone can only work for so long, I feel like, going against against Boston. I just don't think that's maybe maybe a matchup zone, but falling into like a 2-3-3-2, two, three, three, two, that's just not going to work. Boxing one's not going to work. Boston has too many guys that can beat you offensively. Um you know, you, you can't necessarily hide Steph. You can't hide Jordan Poole. You got to put them in opportunities where they, they you know, are going to have to step up. I, I thought Jordan Poole played solid um, defense, um, you know, individually. You know, he wasn't necessarily a turnstile like sometimes he has been in the past. Um, so I, I, it's just, you know, you, you could really use Gary Payton back big time you know and, and he and was he, available right and he yeah. was available you could you could definitely use like even 10 minutes that might make a difference two things one we did monthly predictions over rebounding uh and that in finished even 39 39 39 <laughs> rebounds for <Yeah>. the warriors <laughs> 39 for the boston celtics and we are doing a shot in the dark yes on which was kind rebounds. of on total no, rebounds no. for the entire series which was something really fun that we started doing with um, with our monthly predictions a few years ago. The number I wanted to go back and look and went to basketball reference to conclude this. Boston, last night, game one, again, a 120-108 victory. They've got a one nothing lead over the Golden State Warriors in a best-of-seven series. The Celtics had 33 assists on 43 made baskets. The Golden State Warriors, 24 assists on 39 made shots. That's a, that's a playoff low for the Golden State Warriors, just 24 assists on their 39 made baskets. So a little bit of a ball movement. Yeah. They're so good at that. You know, yeah, they're that's so, the that's, that's, yeah. that's well, I was I wanted, I saw 24 on 39. I'm like, that is not the percentage that you're used to seeing for the Golden State Warriors. So I did want to go back and confirm it. Um, you know, they've had as many as 36 assists in a playoff game this run. Boston had 33 last night, which shows that, that ball movement really does matter. Like, yes, there are great shot makers in the NBA, but uh, – Passing's fun too. That that's something that you should try to do from time to time. Yeah, try to get the guy you know with the best open shot. That's kind of what obviously you try to do with with basketball, especially if you're in the rhythm. And also something that um, Ime Udoka probably brought with him when because he was with the Spurs for a while as well. So and obviously when you think of the Spurs in their prime fundamental basketball, you have everybody sharing the ball, lots of assist flowing, lots of people getting involved. So I'm sure Udoka brought bits and pieces of that. Popovich wisdom with him um well he was at Brooklyn last year but then he had Boston this year but it's like okay that's what you want to do and I think for Udoka people have been doubting him a lot because obviously he is a rookie head coach that's true but it's like you look at it he's been in the finals before as a coach he was an assistant coach so it's not like he has absolutely no finals experience whatsoever sometimes that's the best way to do it as well because the Celtics have they have pressure but it's not Warriors type of pressure because obviously with the Warriors this year the storyline is let's get Steph that finals MVP that he's oh so coveted for so long. Let's try to get that going for Steph. But for the Celtics, it's like, hey, we finally got that monkey off our back in terms of making it to the finals because we've come oh so close the past couple of years. 
So I think for Yudoka, he knows that he's playing with house money to a certain degree. So it's like, hey, let's just have fun. Let's just get everybody involved. We know Tatum's on the cusp of superstar if he isn't there already. So I think for Yudoka and the Celtics, they just know that, hey, we're just trying to obviously spoil the Warrior season, but also have fun and try to get everybody involved. And the Celtics team is deeper, I think, than people realize because, yeah, you think of Tatum and Brown, but you also have guys that have stepped up and key moments like Robert Williams is never going to give you a bunch of points, but he's a steady defender. Pritchard's a solid guy off the bench that can knock down some threes and play smart, tenacious defense while also being a solid assist man. Of course, you have Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, playing his type of basketball, but I think what people have realized, at least so far from game one, is, okay, this Boston team is nothing to be messed with. Warriors aren't just going to, you know, roll over. I mean, the, yeah, the Warriors aren't just going to, or the, excuse me, the Celtics aren't just going to roll over. So I think for uh, Celtics fans, they realize, hey, we've got a shot in this. We could beat these mighty Warriors. For Warriors fans, it's like, okay, I'm not saying they didn't take the Celtics seriously to begin with, but it's like, okay, let's try to pay a little bit more attention to the Celtics because this team can be deadly at times. And obviously, you just need four wins in the finals. So if the Celtics just play great stretches of basketball for certain points in certain games to take it over, then hey, that leads you to a championship. It's not always about playing A-plus basketball throughout the whole game. It's just picking your spots when you play A-plus basketball. And obviously, you want to play that type of basketball in the second half, third, fourth quarter. So you never know what could happen in the series. But I'm still confident the Warriors are probably going to pull it out. 25% done for the Boston Celtics. One out of the four exactly. wins there. Uh, and, and, and we'll see what the Warriors can do. Because, you know, it, we just started it earlier with, okay, these are things that Golden State can clearly improve on. And, yes, there are things that... Boston uh, can, can improve on, but the assist numbers are there uh, in terms of we've seen better play from Golden State, and, and Steph Curry continues to shoot the ball really well. Uh, I just love great basketball. That's what we're seeing this and series, and, and that, I, I yeah. think I think we're going to get to see that well, more and more. And a lot of people were, and I, I, I maybe I did, it didn't bother me bother me as much because I had clear rooting interest, and when you have clear rooting interest, it, it really just the results matter. But undeniably, a lot of people were disappointed with the conference finals. And, and even to some degree with the Miami series, because a lot of those games were not competitive, um, at least I think three of them were, were yeah, just blowouts. truly blowouts. And, yeah. and not even like some people say, oh, you know, 13-point game is a blowout. Well, I'll give you an example of a game last night that was a 12-point game that was not a blowout. <laughs> you know, it, literally the other team was winning by 12 points going into the fourth quarter. So you can have – or low double-digit games are not blowouts that were still decided or, you know, game in doubt with four or five minutes left. But some of those Miami games were just unbelievably bad displays of offense at times, especially from Miami. And it's like that's why, you know, I'm not – I don't really like the Celtics. I've never liked the Celtics. But just from a basketball standpoint, I wanted Miami to play Golden State because I'm like if Miami decides yeah. to have an eight-minute stretch where they scored two points, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Golden State will have – the game will be up. Golden State will be up 25 right. uh, in those stretches. So, And some of those stretches Boston did take advantage of. Some of them they didn't. Um, so, anyway, I think that everyone is yearning for a really good NBA Finals, and I think it has the potential to be that. It's just Golden State has got to win that game too. Because, again, I think you're looking at a four- or five-game series if they don't. If, yep. if they do win, I think you're smelling six or seven, maybe even seven at that point. But you've got to make sure Golden State does get that split uh, in San Francisco. Because, you know, I, I think 
Um, I, I never was held to a prediction, so I'm not going to sit here and say, I picked this or I picked this. What I did say was I expected the teams to split in San Francisco, split in Boston, be 2-2 going to San Francisco for game five. The two teams would split the next two, and then there would be a game seven, and I didn't know what to do with that game seven. Um, so you can still have that very much alive here, but Golden State has got to correct the things we're talking about. And then on some level, I, I believe great offense beats great defense. Boston will have to miss some threes this, this next 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 time out. So, I, but I, I do think ultimately, no matter how many games the series goes, I think you will look at a bunch of competitive games in the games we do have. Let me shift the conversation entirely for just a moment, but also continue it on this uh, basketball discussion that we're having on this Friday, fun Friday. Uh, here on Sports Call, Auburn Baseball a little bit later tonight, taking on Southeastern Louisiana to open up NCAA regional play. Uh, we mentioned the name a little bit earlier, Ime Udoka, obviously the head coach for the Boston Celtics. In his first year, you've got Steve Kerr coaching or excuse me, the Golden State Warriors. When Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post was on our show a little bit earlier in the week, I posed the question to him simply off of a column that he had wrote earlier in the week that over the last decade, between Nick Nurse with the Toronto Raptors, between Steve Kerr, but Ty Lue, now Ime Udoka, David Blatt, his time in Cleveland, we're seeing a lot of first-year head coaches get to the NBA Finals in their first season. And then the bigger name in all of this, when we're talking about coaching trees, I keep going back to Greg Popovich because his hands are just all over every series now at this point. It feels like he's got his five championships as a head coach himself. Pat Riley's got five, Red Arback has nine, and then Phil Jackson has the most that are with 11. But both of these coaches are connected to him. Steve Kerr obviously played for him. Udoka had the run with Milwaukee, and, and, and we've got the Budenholzer connection there. And Coach Bud did so well for Popovich. Uh, I don't. I mean, just I like good coaching from time to time, and uh, we're starting to see that. Yeah, that's why I kind of made my point earlier that when you think of fundamental basketball, it's not always you know the sexiest type of basketball. You think of the Spurs. Like obviously the Spurs weren't the Lakers in the early 2000s, where it's like Shaq and Kobe. Dunks everywhere, this, 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 this. The Spurs just played boring, fundamental basketball, but it led to five championships yeah. somehow. I mean, Can't you think of it. Tim Duncan, never a flashy guy. I'm still going to give you 20 and 10. Tony Parker, I'm still going to give you some good points and assists. Manu Ginobili, I'm still going to knock down some key threes and be that guy as well. And then, of course, later with uh, early Kawhi Leonard. So it just shows you that... Popovich, 73 yeah. and still coaching. 73. It just shows you that... Flashy basketball doesn't always lead to winning. Sometimes boring, fundamental basketball leads to winning. And when I think of the Spurs, I think of boring, fundamental basketball that leads to winning. But also, you think of a bunch of assists. You think of team-first mentality because they've had superstars, but they've never been selfish, super I should say super selfish superstars, if that makes sense. But it's like, that's what I think of, and that's probably why Popovich's tree is spread out really well because it's like, okay – He's gotten respect from, obviously, all the NBA teams and other coaches. The assistants have gotten the same respect because it's like we play basketball the same way with, obviously, some little tweaks in between there. But it's like that just seems like the right way to play basketball is that sometimes it's not always the flashiest or the sexiest. But as long as you've got some type of fundamentals down and you're able to put the ball in the hoop and play tough defense, that just leads to winning. And you've seen that from all of his assistants from Udoka. Boonholzer and everybody in between so it just shows you that yeah Popovich still has a grip on the game even though his current Spurs teams aren't the best right now and then let me be selfish for one quick moment 
uh, because that's what I like to do. And and then I know this man right here to my right, Ryan Lavoy, has got an intelligent point to make. Uh, his tree is so amazing. Yeah. Talking about Greg Popovich, his favorite former assistant. James Borrego, or my favorite of his former assistants, James Borrego, did a phenomenal job with the Charlotte Hornets, improved them by double-digit wins for consecutive seasons, setting NBA records doing that, and the Hornets fired him, which makes no sense. Okay, uh, I'm upset. Anyway, uh, Popovich really is that make, guy. Well, I could make a I point that, that it didn't I was make sense. not originally going to make that yeah, I, I don't that agree with stupid. that. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. Stupid. That was really dumb. Um, I guess they're going to have Kenny Atkinson. Which stupid. Maybe Whatever. we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the point I was just going to make was, yes, I, I think Greg Popovich is responsible for, for so much um, in in the NBA over the last 25 years, not only with his own organization, but with those that he's helped mentor. Uh, but I also want to point out more specifically about Udoka and Ty Lue and Steve Kerr and, and Nurse and these guys that have won championships their first year, yeah, essentially. First year. Um, is that sometimes organizations just need a new voice. A new – And I think you've seen that with Boston yes. this year because really the only main contributor that's different than last year's team is Derek White. Yeah. I mean, you know, Grant Williams got another year in the league here. So, you know, he's a developing player. But Smart and Brown and Tatum and Horford, they've all guys – was still together. A, a part of this team for four or five years now. When you look at Golden State in from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr, Mark Jackson – laid the defensive foundation, but Golden State needed something to revive the offense and allow the more freedom of movement that their offenses be- became. When they went from Jackson to Kerr, nothing changed about the core of that team. They had Curry, Thompson, Iguodala, Barnes, Green, Bogut, all on the, t- the exact same team the year before. Like The most relevant player they changed was out went Jarrett Jack and in came Sean Livingston. That was right. literally the, the most relevant thing that happened to the makeup of their roster, but it was the voice of Kerr saying, all right, we're going to keep Mark Jackson's defense principles, but let's freshen up this offense. Yep. Um, more Ty Lue more and, off the ball play. Right, yep. Ty Lue and David Blatt. You know, Ty Lue letting them play a little bit more. David Blatt coming from Europe trying to have run particular plays yeah. and kind of overthink things a little bit and then just fre- freshening them up. And well, then you have LeBron on your team. Right. You really need to do that. <laughs> Nick, Nick Nurse's situation, the most different of the three because he didn't have Kawhi the year before. so Or Dwayne Casey did not have uh, Kawhi and then – um, they come in and, and bring in Kawhi and, and kind of change their roster up a little bit to aid them, Van Vliet and everything like that. So, But nevertheless, it, it, it tells you that sometimes when you're talking to grown men, sometimes the voice gets old and sometimes yep. coaches run their courses um, and sometimes a new voice just brings in something that you desperately needed. So I give you, Doka, a lot of credit because Brad Stevens, I felt, was a really good coach. He might have been a better college coach, but nevertheless, he knew his stuff. Mm -hmm. But they just needed something different. And uh, I think it came out today that Udoka said to them after the third quarter, is this how you guys want to go out? Like, you want to get punked like this? Uh, and like I think Such that's a, a bit straight uh, shooter, bro. <laughs> it's like I you know, love. That. I mean, it was game one. I don't think yeah. you're getting punked. Yeah. But but nevertheless, it's like that's what the team needs. I don't know. If Brad Stevens would have said you no. want to get punked like Probably this. You know, not. he would say we need to move the ball or we need to play better defense. He would have said something generic and analytical and <laughs> fine. But um, different voices can really make the difference in in how teams take that last step. Because when you're one, because Boston's been close. So when you just need to take one step. Sometimes it's an, another player. Maybe it's a, a change of philosophy, but maybe it's a different coach as well. And and Boston didn't fire Brad Stevens. He opted to take the role that he did. But 
it paved the way for Udoka, who's obviously done a tremendous job taking this team to that last step. Yeah. And also, you mentioned defense real quick. Um, that's the thing that the Celtics were missing, I felt like, because Brad Stevens was a good offensive coach, but defensively, the, they, I mean, were, they, were, they were weak. They were still kind of weak. I'd yeah. say top 20 type of defense, but Udoka, they were the number one defensive team in the league, and I think he challenged all these players to step up their game because a guy that I think of that's made huge strides defensively is Jason yes. Tatum. He's yeah. a guy that's always been known to, you know, put the hoop or put the ball in the hoop. Yep. Always been that guy, but. It's like this man literally has a perfect frame as far as defense. Like he's 6'9", you know, 220 or whatever. But he has a great frame to defend different wing positions. So I think Udoka really instilled confidence in Tatum because Brown already was a good defender. I mean, Brown could lock people up. Then, of course, he had Marcus Smart and those others. But what just makes this Celtics team different is that it feels like every single player is a decent to really good defender. Of course, you have some weak links, but it just feels like even if they're not the best defender, they're at least going to try or make make it appear like they're a really good defender instead of just, you know, being an easy target for yep. somebody to pick on. So I think yep. that Udoka really gave this team toughness. And that's something that I think Jalen Brown talked about when they were going through their struggles earlier this past season because at one point the Celtics were like 10th or 11th in the Eastern Conference. And it's like, what's wrong with the Celtics? They've got so much talent. Why are they struggling so much? But then you turn around and go past, I think, January 1st, and they're number one team in the NBA in a lot of statistical categories, including offensive stuff, defensive stuff, etc. So it just shows you that Udoka, like you mentioned, Ryan, he's a guy that's able to instill a new voice and also something that helps him that's helped, I'm sure, a lot of these um, teams is when you have a guy that's played in the league as well. Brad Stevens never played, to my yes, knowledge, in the I NBA. Say that. Yep. So Udoka played in the NBA. Obviously, wasn't a great player, but he was a guy that was more of a defensive enforcer, a guy that you can rely on as a heady veteran. So I'm sure he's instilled a lot of that confidence and mindset into these young Celtics because they're still really young. That's what we sometimes forget about. They've been in the playoffs every single year, it feels like, but they're still a really young team, and that's what's yep. helped them out. But I think Udoka's been the perfect fit for these Boston Celtics. Yeah, and and seeing this younger movement of kind of coaches, relatively younger coaches coming into the league, and it's it's you're you're seeing players respond. I mean, almost better. Like even with the change with the Mavericks, with from Rick Carlisle to Jason Kidd, you know, I I, I would say he's still a relatively young coach. He's been in a, uh, on a couple of teams already as a head coach, but I mean, he instantly improved. I feel like the Mavericks team as a whole and helped Luca kind of develop in a little bit more past, you know, his, what his, I mean, he does everything, but more, you know, even pushing him defensively because Luca was always a target on defense. But I mean, Luca started getting a few steals here and there and allowing him to do that. I feel like players are responding more to a, a coach that used to be a player in a, in a, almost like more recent era if that makes more if that makes sense um and that's something i've kind of like starting to lean towards when when i think about the hawks in the sense of you know i i like nate mcmillan you know i just feel like he's a little bit too old school almost um and the things that he we were doing as a team that got us into the eastern conference finals you know people Teams figured that out. 
you know, they started they started to kind of adjust and figure that out. And, and so that's why things were harder for us in the playoffs this year, especially with the Heat series. You essentially take away Trey. We didn't have that second ball handler and there were no adjustments that could be made. And, and Nate didn't make any adjustments and things like that. He kind of stuck to the game plan that he had going and and there was nothing that we could do. And we essentially got obliterated. So I, I definitely could see like a younger movement of coaches. And, and that would be something that a lot of players would love to respond to. Bottom line, coaching matters in professional time, sports and uh, especially in basketball even still uh, as we get ready to wrap up this first hour of the program i just wanted to pass this along since 2010 this is just since 2010 and greg popovich has been in his post as the spurs head coach since 1996 so this is discrediting the first 14 years that he was in his post but since 2010 these are people on greg popovich's coaching tree that have had spots as a head coach in the NBA. Monty Williams, Steve Kerr, Taylor Jenkins, Ime Udoka, Mike Budenholzer, Brett Brown, Mike Brown, Quinn Snyder, Jim Boylan, Jock Bond, uh, James Borrego, and Becky Hammond getting the job in the WNBA with the Las Vegas Faces. That's crazy. It's a lot of different coaches as that tree continues to grow. Good stuff. All right, uh, that takes us to the end of this hour of Sports Call against Still to Come. Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will stop by to visit us. Let's take a quick break alongside Ryan the Boy, Javon Cutler, and Cam Beery. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 fm wtgz tuskegee auburn and am 620 wtrp lagrange whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on this Friday. J.J. Jackson alongside Kim Barry and Javon Cutler. Ryan LaVoy off to uh, Plainsman Park as the Tigers get set to take on southeastern Louisiana in the Auburn Regional. NCAA tournament time. We saw Florida State defeat UCLA a little bit earlier in the day. So if Auburn wins, they play Florida State tomorrow. If they lose, they play UCLA tomorrow. That's the good part about the NCAA tournament is that it is double elimination. You can't beat that. It's definitely not the, you know, NCAA tournament version of basketball yeah. where it's like one and done. So at least you get another shot if you do somehow lose. It's not lose. a football bowl uh, game, uh, you yeah, know, where exactly. it's, it, it's like this weekend, double elimination. If Auburn wins and they yeah. go to a Super Regional, you got to beat them twice. Yep. If you go to the College World Series, it's double elimination. Yep. So uh, you're going to be in a good spot. You're going to have opportunities 
to get the job done. Again, Javon Cutler's back with us uh, visiting after uh, he's still with ESPN Radio up in Bristol, Connecticut, and uh, a former sports call host. So glad to have him back here with us. So Auburn is going to hand the baseball tonight to Trace Bright. Joseph Gonzalez has been the ace of this Auburn baseball team all season long. You were with us at the start of the baseball season. Gonzalez is no stranger to playing for the Tigers over the past few years. We were thrilled that Auburn's going to save Gonzalez for the second game and that they'll go with Trace Bright, who's very experienced, several years pitching for the Auburn Tigers. But, Javon, do you kind of feel that way? Because regardless, you know that Gonzalez goes with either your season on the line or with an opportunity to put you into championship Sunday, but not waste him. And not that it's a waste here on Friday, but you know what I'm saying? Not waste him in this first game. Yeah, I think it's a great strategy for Butch Thompson to employ because, yeah, Gonzalez is one of your trusted veteran pitchers. He's a guy that knows what it takes to win in big-time college baseball. So I think saving him for the second game is great because if you are down, yeah, if you have an 0-1 record, it's like, okay, at least we've got a trusted veteran pitcher to hopefully limit the damage that the other team does or okay we got a chance to advance we've got a veteran pitcher to guide us through so I think for Auburn they know what works best for them of course we trust Butch Thompson after all he did lead the team a couple years ago to a college world series appearance so in Butch we trust as they say I think that uh, Gonzalez is going to be well ready for no matter what happens I think Auburn should win tonight but baseball is a funny sport you never know what happens but I think that Gonzalez is going to be well rested he's going to be ready for whatever happens I think that this Auburn baseball team is going to be ready for whatever happens and it's just really cool to have a regional hosted at Plainsman Park because you get that home energy going you know exactly how the ball plays off of the wall out there in the outfield so I think for Auburn it's going to be a great opportunity to play in from your home crowd should be a rocking crowd out there at Plainsman Park in less than an hour so I think overall Butch Thompson knows best he's going to employ a great strategy and I think that Auburn's well equipped to do great in this regional Cam we got to get Sonny Deshera going that, that's the big thing for Auburn yeah. baseball yeah yeah big uh struggled last month and, and struggled some in the SEC tournament as well um in in the few games that we played um definitely want to get him going and 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 kind of generate some runs i think he's the anchor for their hitting um and and he's going to be the one that kind of you know get things get gets things going for the tigers so we'll see i, I mean i i'm confident that auburn wins um definitely i feel like you know you're in you're in your home field you earned this regional you played hard throughout the entirety of the season um, so let's keep it going. You know, you had a, a difficult um, month of May, but now we're 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 tournament time. So it's time to, to flip that switch and, and make things real. Let's make it real. I mean, it's postseason. This yeah. is the moment you yep. look for. Auburn made it to the College World Series in 2019. Butch Thompson has take the, taken the program to that stage. Now they get to play at home. Like, that's amazing. It's amazing. Right. It's, it's big and, time. And, and to get to go next weekend possibly – to be playing in a super regional. That's everything that you could imagine and wish for. That's exactly what you're wishing for because I know they had a couple of down years after that College World Series appearance, but now Butch Thompson has this team rocking and rolling again. And I think for Auburn baseball, we've all mentioned Deshera. He's the guy that's been absolutely amazing this year, the transfer from uh, Samford. So I think he's going to have a huge series, a bounce-back series, because he knows the pressure that not only he has, but the rest of these Auburn batters have as well because the pitching's been steady for Auburn this year. They've had some steady veteran pitching, but we all know that we love 
ourselves some sunny bombs. We yeah. love some yes, offensive all display. Long, he has led the entire country yep. in on base percentage. Crazy. He gets on base. Like he loves it. Yeah. He's either going to home run or teams don't want to pitch to him. Exactly. And you know? he's patient enough to be like, okay. Well, that's not a strike. I'm not going to swing. I will gladly take my base. And Javon, that's the reason he leads the country in on-base percentage. And that's what you love in a hitter because a lot of these hitters nowadays, of course, college baseball, but also the MLB, it feels like it's either going to be a home run or a strikeout. But DeShera defies that. He's like, nah, if I don't see a pitch I don't like, I'll wait it out. I'll take my base. I'll be patient. I'm not going to swing at anything bad that's outside the strike zone even though it might look you know tempting at first it's like i'll wait it out but if i do see a pitch that i love i'm gonna crank it 400 feet over the wall so he's a he defies the modern thinking of a baseball hitter because back in the day that was the logic okay if i don't see a pitch i like i'll take a walk but nowadays a lot of these guys are like okay home run or strikeout it just feels like maybe a walk mixed in but to share a is a great example of a throwback type of hitter who has a high percentage, but also could crank a lot of home runs. So I'm really excited to see how he does here over the weekend. And speaking of baseball, we got to take a break because when we come back, Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network will be a part of our show. That conversation is coming up next right here on Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back into a Friday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy. And boy, oh boy, is it a very special Friday. It may be the month of June. And we are so fired up now to be able to chat for the first time this baseball season with our good buddy Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. Kevin, I was looking through, and I don't know that you've been on Sports Call here in the Auburn Airwaves that much since the Atlanta Braves won a World Series. We've got plenty of questions for this current 2022 season, but we're reigning World Series champs, Kev. Well, look, I'll say this. Uh, this is probably the missing link. You know, a lot of folks have asked me what has been not there for the Braves this season. Why have they struggled the way they have? Probably because we haven't done our, our usual Friday afternoon phone call. So <laughs> it's our fault. It's my fault for ignoring your text last week. Again, I apologize for that. But uh, I'm glad to be back with you guys. And uh, certainly lots to talk about with this team. A lot, a lot of good and a lot of not so good through the first 50-plus games. I've, I've experienced the same thing, Kevin, to be truthful with you. A lot of people reaching out to me and they're like, JJ, are you and Kevin okay? Like, what's going on here? And I say, look, he, he's got big things to do. He's, he's doing pre- and post-game show work on the Braves Radio Network and, and so excited. Tell me a little bit about that, Kevin. How much fun have you been having uh, that this team has been so much fun over the past few seasons? And you're kind of in this new role as a pre- and post-game show host. Yeah, it's been a blast. You know, I think the big thing for me, you know, I got to travel with the team for eight years, and that was awesome. It was an unbelievable experience. And then when COVID hit, you know, in 2020, it changed a lot of things we do uh, you know, media-wise. It changed a lot of things we do in the world, let's be honest. But when it comes to covering a baseball team, you know, 2020 and 2021, most of the time our interviews were on Zoom. And so there was no need 
to travel. And it also kind of worked out that our buddy Ben Ingram was promoted and he made it into the booth full time. So that created this opening to host pre and post game. And it's been awesome. I'm home with my daughter all day. Now I'm home with my daughter and my son all day. So I, I joke that the easiest part of my day is from about 5.30 till midnight every night when I get to go have adult conversation and watch baseball and, and most importantly talk about baseball, which is what I love the most. But I'm home with the kids all day, which has been a game changer. Helped coach Max's team again this spring. Uh, third place finish out of 22. Very proud of the, uh, the Rowdy Rangers this spring. Uh, but, you know, just spending more time with the family has been awesome. And, you know, hosting pre and post has been great. Uh, in the studio every night with Chris Domino. Love working with him on pregame. And then, uh, of course, talking to, to folks and taking phone calls on the, on the wrap-up show locally here in Atlanta. So, you know, I've told my son, you know, it's hard to explain to a seven-year-old uh, how these last two years have been. You know, it's been a lot of confusion for a lot of folks. Yeah. Uh, but I've told him, you know, the, the last two years have really sucked for a lot of people. But, you know, not for us. We've got a chance to spend a lot more time as a family. I'm not traveling. I'm home. Uh, I did get to go to Game 6 of the World Series. That was incredible. Uh, the after-party was awesome. And uh, I was so fortunate to be blessed with a World Series ring from the Braves, which is, uh, you know, 19 years in Major League Baseball. I finally got one. So uh, I'm not taking that for granted either. So it's been a a heck of a run. And uh, I'm just I'm happy that it keeps going on here in 2022. No doubt about that. It's been so spectacular. And as you mentioned, for so many years, we've had these Friday conversations. That's why this Friday, I'm so glad to be chatting with you here as the Braves are in the middle of a series with the Colorado Rockies and, and, and the family's expanding for you, Kevin. As you mentioned, it's it's no longer a party of three for the McAlpins. We've got the, the little girl added to the mix as well. I want to ask you this, though, from the baseball perspective, and before we get into the Braves nitty-gritty here, looking at the year that we've got here in 2022, does it feel like from the media aspect of things, from face-to-face conversations, down on the field, like has that been a breath of fresh air, just the full coverage of, of MLB baseball in the year 2022? No doubt about it. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought for sure when we were, you know, exiled from the clubhouse for the last two years, I thought for sure that when the new CBA rolled around, this was going to be the new norm. But, you know, and, and it's, it's such a great asset, not only for us selfishly, but for the listeners and the readers and folks who love to follow the team. It's hard to get all those great in-depth stories when you're getting the same audio, right? When all the TV and radio stations and writers are using the same sound bites. It really does take away from the fan experience as well. So, uh, selfishly walking in that clubhouse on opening day was a breath of fresh air. And I'll tell you this much. I was on the field on opening day to watch batting practice. And, again, it's, it's something I've done, you know, thousands of times over the years. I got to tell you, it felt a little different. And, you know, seeing guys face-to-face, shaking hands again, you know, talking to the coaches, uh, having that personal interaction with the players has been great. So I'm glad we're back. Uh, it was a long two years, there's no doubt about it. But uh, being back around the guys and, and having that, you know, personal uh, and professional relationship with these guys is huge. So um, not only us, but the listeners, the readers, and the fans of, of all 30 teams will benefit moving forward, you know, getting those those stories that you wouldn't normally get from just a group uh, Zoom call. So let's get into uh, a couple of roster-specific questions here in just a moment and the way the Braves have been playing. And, of course, again, they've got this three-game series to wrap up with the Rockies. Four total, a big win last night for Atlanta. To talk about the year so far, though, in 2022, you look back at last season, the Braves had that weird trend in July, all-star break time where they're going win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. And we know the Braves love these funky trends that they get on from time to time, having yet to win three consecutive games, but also yet to lose three in a row. Kind of tell me about sort of the back-and-forth play that we've seen all season long from this Atlanta club. Well, it's been a collective effort. You know, you can't just pinpoint that this one area of the team has let you down. You know, look, early on, 
it was the bottom third of the lineup. Then you move Dansby down there, and he's starting to swing the bat well. Uh, you add Michael Harris in there. He's been a nice addition. Uh, and then you've got the bullpen. It was you know, going to be the biggest strength of your team. Takes a big hit when you lose Luke Jackson and Tyler Mastic. Uh, hopefully Mastic's back in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but, again, when you lose pieces like that, yeah, you're going to suffer. And guys are going to be in different positions than you had expected prior to the season. Uh, hitting, hitters, lack of hitting, I should say, with runners in scoring position has been an Achilles heel for this team. So, you know, right through 52, 53 games, wherever we're at, uh, you know, you're a solid C for the season. You're not great. You're not horrible. Um, you're just sort of a middle-of-the-pack team right now, which is why this stretch is really important. You don't see another team that's currently above 500 until the Giants, and that starts June 19th or I think it's the 20th, if I'm not mistaken, back here at Truist Park. So, you know, you had the Marlins, you saw the Phillies. Right now you see the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Um, you come home and you've got a good homestand with uh, the uh, the Pirates, I believe, and the A's. So uh, you're in a stretch right now where you're playing teams that are sub-500. And a lot of folks ask me, they said, well, this is a great uh, you know, part of the schedule. They can make some hay. And I said, well, unfortunately, you're kind of one of those teams that you're talking about. It's not great and it's not horrible. So it's important for the team to play well the next three weeks. Uh, the Mets are in a tough stretch. They have three more at Dodger Stadium. Then they go to San Diego. Then they go to Anaheim. So this is a tough road trip for the Metropolitan. So if you want to talk about a, a, you know, a, a really big chance for the standings to potentially flip in your favor over the next seven to ten days, this is your opportunity. It's still early. You've got two-thirds of the season to go, so I'm not worried about the standings or the win-loss record. Um, I trust that this is a better baseball team than we've seen so far this year. But you know what? It's time to get it going. You know, any, any talk of what we did last year or the World Series hangover or any of those narratives, I'm sorry, those are out the window. You're 50-plus games in. You, you can't talk about a World Series hangover anymore. It's time to get up for this season. And, again, hopefully the next three games in Colorado can really help kickstart this offense in the right direction. And, Kevin, as we look at some of the individual performances of these Braves, i got to start with Ronald Acuna Jr., obviously with Freddie Freeman no longer a Brave. Acuna, the clear franchise player now, and obviously coming off that big injury last year, everyone really curious to see how long it would take him to get back in the swing of things. Through about 20 or 25 games, how would you evaluate his play this year? Well, when he stayed healthy and when he's been on the field, he's been really effective. You know, the Braves have been able to run the bases a lot more. They've been able to be more aggressive and take an extra 90 feet here and there when he's in the lineup. Uh, and, again, unfortunately, with these nagging little leg issues, whether it's the quad or the, the ACL or whether it's the groin, whatever it might be, um, it's been hard to keep him on the field more than, you know, three or four games in a row. So, you know, again, fingers crossed that, you know, with the DH, they can continue to keep him in the lineup. That's the big thing. You just need to keep his, his bat in the order. Uh, and, you know, again, hopefully this leg thing will be a, a thing of the past very, very quickly because there, there's just such a different look to that lineup when 13's in there in the top in the top spot in the order. And I've talked to guys who've hit eight and nine, uh, whether it's Dansby and Michael Harris or Travis Demerit, whoever it might be, knowing that Ronald's in the on-deck circle, teams pitch differently to the bottom of the order because they don't want to face him with runners on. So, you know, again, I think that when you, when you look at uh, what he's done when he's been on the field, it's been great. I'd like to see a little bit more of it. Again, hopefully not playing on turf anytime soon is a recipe to keep his bat in the order uh, more frequently moving forward. Kevin, when we look at pitching, what has surprised you more, the development of Kyle Wright or the potential uh, and, and that explosive fastball of Spencer Strider? Well, Strider's been, man, he's been such a treat to watch. Um, you know, we knew he had an electric arm, and he comes up last year and had a chance to win a spot on the uh, the postseason roster. There he was, final couple of days of the season, uh, having a chance to win a roster spot. Um, I, I think Kyle Wright, though, has been the story. It's been the big surprise for me. 
Um, you know, look, this is a guy we always knew the potential was there, but he really struggled to put it all together, and he's done that this season. So, you know, Kyle, to me, you know, taking that next step, using the curveball a lot more effectively has been huge. You know, he was a guy that relied on his heater way too much the last couple of years, and I think he's, he's now learned how to be a pitcher, not just a thrower, if you will, and it's been a big key for his development. So I'm excited about Kyle and excited about Spencer Strider. The one guy on the negative side I'm surprised about is Charlie Morton. Now, I guess I shouldn't be. He's 38 and coming off a broken leg. But, you know, ultimately I expected more out of him. And there's still plenty of time this season for him to give you that. But, you know, what you haven't gotten from Charlie has probably been equally as surprising as what you have gotten from Kyle Wright. And, you know, Kevin, you you talk about uh, some of these guys that uh, have been maybe surprising one way or the other. Uh, something that the Braves thought they'd be getting uh, in Kenley Jansen is is one of the elite closers in the league. And for the first 10 or 12 outings, it was that. But it's all started with fans on the field, essentially. And ever since, he's kind of hit a rough patch here. What's kind of gone into that for Kenley Jansen? You know, he's just not missing as many bats right now. Uh, and he's got, you know, look, he's, I, I trust the back of the baseball card. He was so good. And closers are going to have stretches where they have a week or two where uh, things just seemingly don't go their way at all. So I'm not overly concerned about Kenley. I know what he can do. He's been really good in the ninth inning. You know, Will Smith has struggled. Uh, so, you know, again, your options are Will Smith or Kenley Jansen. I'll take Kenley. He's been a big game pitcher. I mean, he's gotten so many uh, memorable opportunities with the Dodgers. And so I think right now he's just having a rough patch. But uh, I think he's certainly smart enough to know what he needs to do. And you're right. A couple of really freaky incidents of fans running across the field. And, look, he's not going to make excuses that threw him off his game. But I do think it had a little part of it. So, again, hopefully he's able to get back into his rhythm because, let's be honest, the Braves really need him in the ninth inning this year. And, of course, the other big addition that, that everyone talking about, when Freddie Freeman leaves, that means a big trade was made and, and Matt Olson comes in. And Olson, with, I find, Kevin, to be a very interesting season so far. He's had some power in that he is – uh, a doubles machine, but he's not hit the long ball and therefore uh, has kind of struggled at times with runners in scoring position. What, what have you seen out of Matt Olson and, and what have Braves fans been talking about so far with Matt Olson? Well, the, the doubles are great, you know, and the, and the home runs will come. I, I think there's certainly, while he won't admit it, he won't use it as an excuse. There's a lot of pressure when it comes to uh, playing for your hometown team, you know, replacing a guy like Freddie Freeman. That's not easy for anybody to do. And I think, you know, he had a couple of weeks where he was really struggling. And I think he was probably pressing a little bit. And, again, that's natural when you have a guy who's in a new situation like, like he is. But I'm not concerned. I think he'll be just fine. And, again, hopefully some of those doubles start coming with runners on base because, you know, he leads Major League Baseball in doubles, but the RBI numbers aren't there. And again, those things will all even themselves out through a course of a long season. Kevin McAlpin joining us here with the Braves Radio Network on this Friday edition of Sports Call. Braves and Rockies have got three more to close out the weekend here. Let's talk more about this roster for the Braves. You mentioned sort of the outfield pieces. That was a big story for Atlanta a season ago, and they've certainly had their fair share of characters out there in the outfield this season. Michael Harris II makes the big jump from double-A to major leagues. How would you evaluate his first few outings? Yeah, I think he's done a nice job. Defensive, look, he's there to catch the ball. I need him to play defense. I don't need him as much for his offense. There's plenty of other guys with track records in that lineup that can carry the weight of the offense. So I need him to catch the ball. Done a nice job. And, again, he, you know, his offense is still a work in progress, I think. But, you know, ultimately, that will come with time. And uh, I've, I've been really impressed with his glove. Uh, he, he's made a couple of plays a little more interesting than they probably should have been, but ultimately he, he got those outs, and those were big outs for this team. So I, I like what we've seen, and again, I, I don't need him to do a whole lot offensively. I, I need him to catch the baseball, and that's what he's done so far. 
Again, we're just having to play catch up with Kevin here on the show and love his insight and opinions from over the years. So we're just going to keep this going with the roster for Atlanta. Obviously, you look at the middle infield. It's a pair of players that we've seen for some time. They're now World Series champions. We talk about the back of the baseball card. That would certainly highlight that for Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson. Both of those guys being such key fixtures in the Braves' offense over the past few seasons. Where are they at here in 2022? Well, Dansby's coming around, you know, very quietly coming around, too. Uh, you know, he got off to a slow start. All we, all we talked about was the strikeout numbers and how he was struggling, but he's really starting to come around, and I, I like what we've seen from his at-bats and his approach. Ozzy's consistent. You know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis, especially when he's going up against lefties. I love Ozzy right-handed against the lefties. So uh, I, I like what we've seen from both those guys. And, again, when you look at top to bottom, this order needs everybody to really start clicking, and it's been a collective reason why they've gotten off to a slow start. But, I, again, I think the approach from Dansby has really, really gotten better so much so he's worked his way up to the the second spot in the order and that has happened very very quickly and and kevin watching the the broadcast last night uh they showed a graphic uh, talking about braves catchers and and obviously travis darno had a huge night last night but william Contreras. i mean this is a guy i feel it's pretty important because when you trade shay langoliers uh in in the matt olson trade you kind of have that expectation. Yes, you have Darno for a couple more seasons, but you'd really like if, if William Contreras could be uh, a catcher of the future for you at that point. And, well, his his hitting numbers are there. The Braves are trying to get him in the lineup any way possible. I mean, what? how surprising has it been that, that he has played so well and just the Braves catchers overall with, I think, a combined 13 home runs this season? Yeah, remarkable. You know, between Darno and Contreras, you've got a silver slugger uh, catcher. You know, you got 13 homers, you got 37 ribbies. Those guys have done a great job. And, you know, the Braves like Contreras so much, they're trying to keep his bat in the order by DHing. I mean, we didn't expect that when you came into the season. So, uh, again, you want to talk about nice surprises from an offensive side of things? Definitely what you've gotten from Contreras. And, you know, I think you could see a situation where maybe they do split time a little bit more, where uh, Contreras catches a little bit more frequently just to keep Darno's legs, you know, under him for the, for the second half of the year. You know, he was. Uh, uh, you know, a guy that caught every inning, played every single uh, pitch of, of the postseason. But, uh, you know, again, you, you need him to stay fresh over 162. So I do think there's a chance you could see him uh, get a little bit more of a platoon-type situation with William Contreras with just how well he's going. I, at this point, just ride the hot hand. We got three more for Kevin McAlpin here with us on this Friday edition of Sports Call. So, Kevin, we take a look at the Atlanta Braves. A few seasons ago, we saw Freddie Freeman go on his MVP run, and you look at the biggest bat in the order for Atlanta. It's been number 27 over there at third with Austin Riley. Just how good has he been this season, uh, comparing him to the rest of the players across Major League Baseball? How pivotal is his bat uh, for this Braves team if they want to get back into it? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. This is a guy that should have finished higher than he did in the uh, in the MVP voting a year ago. Uh, he's been great, and he's been terrific. 13 homers now. He, he's got an 11-game hitting streak. I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything for you. So I like what we've seen. I think early on there was probably a little bit of, you know, he, he was got to a slow start, probably pressing a little bit as well. But uh, ultimately, you know, again, you need Austin uh, as much as you need everybody else. And uh, a guy who's on pace to, to once again have a really monster number with the power, uh, with the power stats when all is said and done. Kevin, as we get set for this upcoming weekend, we've got uh, Braves and Rockies again for three more. People have been asking me every weekend we get there, I mean, who are the big bats that we need to be on the lookout for? And I say, well, I always rely on Kevin to make those calls for us. So uh, who are you expecting? Because bats are doing well there in Colorado so far. So who's going to step it up this weekend for Atlanta? 
Look, I'm just going to stay with the hot hand in Austin Riley. I mean, he, <laughs> look, this is a park that's built for him with the altitude, with the way the ball travels. Um, this is a very good situation for Austin. So I'm looking for him to have a monster weekend, keep this hit streak going, and again, hopefully just help uh, kickstart things right in the heart of the Braves' order. So I'm looking at, again, a, a great opportunity for Austin to, to pad those power stats here over the next few games. And, and uh, you know, fingers crossed that uh, he, he can continue to do that because when he's going well, uh, the, really the heart of this order, there's so many more RBI opportunities, and he's come through for you. So I, I'm, I'm going to take the cheap and easy one this week with Austin Riley. And you deserve it. I'll tell our listeners, if, if Riley does <laughs> anything over the weekend, I'm going to get the big oh, eyeball emoji text from Kevin McAlpin <laughs> as, as soon as it takes place. That's kind of been our trend over the last few years. All right, it's Braves Radio Network coverage. Tell me a little bit more about the pre- and post-game show. I know you're taking calls from time to time, Kevin, and then the great crew that you guys have there. Give us a big shout-out for that as we get set for the summer, and a lot of people throughout the summer love being on that back deck and listening to Braves baseball. Yeah, no, we've got a great crew, and uh, you know, Domino and I with the Ford leadoff show every single night. Uh, a little bit later tonight, so make a pot of coffee and hope you stay up late for us. And again, hopefully, we're talking about the highlight sheet that's got ten or twelve different highlights on there for, for the post game show. And then, yeah, we do take calls as well uh, on the local show after the uh, network uh, post game show wraps up. So uh, again, hopefully, this uh, next four months is a, is a little bit smoother ride than what we had the first two months. Uh, but uh, again, I still think there's a, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of opportunity for this team. Uh, and again, I, I look at the standings really all season long. But uh, you know, really right now, what's important is just playing better baseball, playing cleaner, consistent baseball. And I think that's what you're starting to see from this team over the last week or so. Appreciate the time as always, Kevin. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. All right, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, that's our buddy Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network joining us here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Great conversation there with Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network. Every single Braves game can be heard on AM 1230 WAUD right here in the Tiger Communications family of radio stations. Follow our, all of our uh, social media channels and pages at underscore tiger underscore com on social media. It's an easy way. It links you to every other radio station and show and all the great social media things that we've got going on. Like us. Follow us at Sports Call AU for the program uh, uh, that we're running here each and every day. Yes, Check sir. out the website, thetiger.fm. Just so much amazing, amazing content uh, that you can always find. So uh, always appreciate that. And again, thanks to Kevin McAlpin for stopping by. All right, guys, big game tonight for the Braves, as we were just talking about with Kevin. A lot of good points about the turnover three of this Braves row. team. And we need three in three a row, Cam. In a row. <laughs> three in a row. I think we can do it. I think we can, too. I, I mean, we we're playing in a good ballpark <laughs> right. to get it done. It's, I feel like this is the best opportunity for us to do it. We're in Rocky Stadium. They're a struggling team. They're not that good. I feel like the Braves – I think we all feel like the Braves could obviously be better. We have the talent. We have the potential to do so. Um, 13 runs last night was phenomenal. Um, I think we can build on top of that and finally get to a three and hopefully – Three-game win streak, hopefully extend to four or five. That would be extremely ideal, and this would be the time to do it. Yeah, with the Braves, 
they're a team that's playing a lot like last year's team where it's like, okay, yeah. we're flirting around 500. Will we get over 500? Nah, Big question. We'll, we'll lose. We'll go to two games under 500, and we'll kind of hover around that mark. Hopefully it won't be as long as it was last year, but I think for the Braves, it's just all about finding consistency and just taking it one day at a time. Great thing about baseball is that it is not a sprint. It is a marathon, so you don't have to have everything put together necessarily you know by the 100th game of the season it's like just make sure you're clicking at the right time obviously and that's what helped the Braves win the World Series last year is that they started clicking at the right time especially with those trade deadline acquisitions but for the team this year it's um, definitely been a mixed bag um, from what I've noticed I do love how they've been a little bit a little bit more aggressive this year as far as you know bringing up Michael Harris who was their prized outfielder so that's been something that's been encouraging he's played really well or fairly well so far, and especially defensively, he's looked really good. And Acuna still, you know, trying to get back to 100% with his yeah. injury. But for the Braves, yeah, it's just all about finding consistency and trying to string together a couple of wins. It just takes a couple of wins to try to build some momentum and try to get back to where you want to be. But, I mean, there's been a lot of encouraging signs for the Braves. I mean, who would have thought, for instance, Kyle Wright would be the guy that you could rely on to money. be a solid starter for you? Because he's always had that potential, but it's just been inconsistent with him but this year just seems like he's really turned the corner and found a groove as far as becoming a potential you know number one number two type of ace on your team still got max freed dealing uh, charlie morton's been kind of concerning this year but i think he'll bounce back because he's a veteran pitcher he'll figure some stuff out he's been in this league too long not to figure stuff out but overall for the braves just find consistency and see where you go from there no doubt about that. Braves play the Rockies a little bit later tonight. And again, getting on the air here in about three minutes, we're going to have Auburn baseball on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. And Birchman, Brad Law. That's right. They're going for the win yep, yep. against Southeastern Louisiana. Cam, I appreciate everything that you do, man. Oh, yeah. uh, and even more so, you have kept a secret from us um, <laughs> that uh, Javon Cutler would be coming and it's turned it into an awesome Friday. I so, was glad I was able to help and yeah. have, help everybody have a good time and a good day today. But in a way, you were surprised, right? Like this wasn't on your radar that j you weren't planning for Javon to text you. Oh, no. That, hey, I'm going to, you know, that came out of the blue for you, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that was kind just, of a surprise for you yeah, when you think he, about he, it. He was kind of hinting at it a little bit here and there he was like yeah eventually like i'm gonna come down at some point and we're gonna uh come to the station da, da, da. so when he finally like put it into motion he was like i need your help and i was like <laughs> gosh. and here we are javon yeah Have you had a good day yeah it's been a great day honestly it's flown by that's the only i'd say negative thing about today is that's just flown by right so we're approaching you know the six o'clock hour here and uh, Auburn, but it's been a really great day. I'm glad I was able to come down and spend time with you guys and see you guys. And it's felt way longer, I'd say, than a little over two months. That's the one thing. So it's like, man, this feels like surreal to step back to the studio, feel comfortable getting into, you know, a radio mindset again as far as speaking into a microphone. Um, but no, it's been really great to see you guys. Everybody looks great. The studio still looks great. The whole building looks great. So no, it's definitely been great to spend time with you guys whole the whole afternoon you know i was sitting there thinking about your farewell uh that took place and that show was so emotional it was yeah <laughs> you know and and for me thinking back i wasn't here like i listened to that i think i was in arkansas yeah right with right, the Auburn yeah. softball I, yeah. I know it was on the road I, and yep. i think matching the timeline up that was the arkansas trip that we were on and uh i was like man these guys i mean this <laughs> is pulling on my heartstrings and i'm up there in the in the room and uh, you just mean so much to us, buddy. It's been amazing seeing you today. 
uh, and continued success and well wishes. And you know, you got fans in us. And uh, I'm I'm buying all of the Javon Cutler stock <laughs> that I can. I want all of it. I want all of it, man. So this has been awesome to have you here today. Yeah, absolutely. And like, obviously, people move on to big things or different things sometimes, and then they forget where they come from. It's like I never want to be that person like that forgets where they come from. Like I'm not just gonna push aside things I've learned here and be like, oh, I don't, you know, <laughs> just the tire communication people's like, no, I want to see you guys because, like I mentioned in my farewell. Um, speech the other month it's like you guys gave me an opportunity to get my start in radio and like that means so much to me as far as like getting my foot in the door not only with the internship but also the part-time job which turned to a full-time job me learning stuff as far as software talking to a microphone like editing writing so it's like play by play as well so it's like i've done a lot of stuff here and like i reflect a lot on the stuff i've done at tire communications from time to time and it's like man i did so much for Um, the station and they allowed me to do so much too with the freedom and it's just amazing to think about that from time to time i'll never forget the commitment speech you gave when it all started back in our (laughs) conference room all those years ago and look at us now so this is outstanding all right before the show goes off the air let's run through a very abbreviated version of our nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. The Women's College World Series continues tonight. Elimination round. couple of teams have to win or their time in Oklahoma City is over. That's at 6 on ESPN2. 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Ole Miss Baseball taking on Arizona. Also at 6 on ESPN+. Plus, Southeastern Louisiana and Auburn. That's how you can watch that contest. A movie pick for you this evening at 6.35 on E. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That is the yeah. second movie yes. in the yeah. series. It yep. is, yes. Uh, it is Tom movie. Riddle, right? He's he's yeah. the, he's uh, one of the big antagonists For in sure. that film. Yeah, that's a good one. Been watching that series, actually, like watching it through with uh, Lauren. Really? Where, yeah, we just finished the third one Prisoner last week. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Prisoner yeah, Basketball. Yeah. So we're. Have you seen yes. them before? Is this a rewatch oh, yeah. for I've you? Seen, yeah, okay. yeah, I've okay. seen all of them yeah. before. So. Just I good. haven't it's done just a, a rewatch nice, in a really nice, long time. It's a nice so. rewatch. They're, they're, Harry they're, Potter's the best. Yeah, great series to watch. Great to enjoy. They're all on HBO Max. So watch. Check them all out. Yes, yeah. the entire eight-film series. Yeah, <laughs> and then we've got Braves Baseball tonight, 740 Central on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, so streamable game for the Braves, which is always difficult to access. Those are annoying. Like, Ooh. why? I get why because of the money, but it's like right. for casual fans, it's like... We want to watch it. We just want to watch it, you know? We just want to watch it. That's all we're asking. So, yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a look at our nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And uh, look, there we go. That does it for our show today. Javon, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me once again. Cam, thank you for being here today. Of course. We've got a big week ahead next week. We'll yes, see you then, sir. okay? Yes, sir. All right, that does it for our show. Thanks to Kevin McAlpin for stopping by. For Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Javon Cutler, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. <laughs>